and welcome back to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly episodes for everything covering movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us this week for another wonderful Media Boat Podcast. We have a lot to talk about today. Today is January the 28th, 2023. Can you believe we're almost into February? Yes. Almost a month in. Yes, I can. To but then again, my work constantly reminds me yes. the end of the month is coming. Oh yeah, mine too. <laughs> trust me. And uh, yes, thank you for joining us. This is episode 368. A lot to talk about. So let's get right into oh, it. Oh god, there's so much to talk about. We have so much thoughts today that we literally should probably just jump right into that. So go. But we won't. We're going to stick to our format. <laughs> go for it. And we're going to start with the music section. We start the music section with the billboard. Yes. We start the billboard with the Hot 100. Yes. And if you were listening to last week's episode, we already spoiled what number one was. Well, yeah. Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Yeah, debuting at number one this week, dethroning Antihero. Uh, and yeah, kind of dominating the streaming waves as we talked about last week. I have not heard this song in its entirety, but I got the chorus and I was like, okay, I more or less know what this song is. Okay. At two, Kill Bill by SZA, yep. not Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Coming in at three, Antihero by Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. not Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> at four, Creepin' by Metro Boomin, not Quentin Tarantino. Unless your feet. That's the creepin' part. But it's also The Weeknd and 21 Savage. <laughs> and rather get your top five, Unholy, which is Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I mean, Sam Smith and Kim Petras. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Yes. As for your Billboard 200, your albums chart, at number one, SLS by SZA. Mm-hmm. Two, Midnights by Taylor Swift. At three, Heroes and Villains by Metro Boomin. At four, Her Loss by Drake and 21 Savage. And rounding out your top five, <laughs> my contribution to this list <laughs> i'm sorry for everyone but the highlights by the weekend was this you was this you just listened to this like five times this week and you pushed it up to the top five again i just really like that album yeah I bet, it's I the bet. hits yeah this uh <laughs> dethrones whatever the hell last week's number five was and yeah uh returning to the top five i don't know why it's just i feel like it's just going to be one of those things for the rest of this decade we're just gonna see pop up every once in a while because hey people like the weekend yes we do yeah <laughs> If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases, mm-hmm. including Queen of Me by Shania Twain. Yes, Shania That's Twain. Shania Twain. She's back. Uh, there's also Get Up Sequences Part 2 by The Go Team and Heavy Heavy by Young Fathers. So not a huge release week, uh, but new Shania Twain is at least interesting. Yeah. However, after watching that documentary about her from last year and hearing a little bit of her more recent music, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. Let's go, girls. Anyway, speaking of let's go, girls, Britney Spears is in the news. Yeah. So once again, she is asking for fans and the public to respect her privacy. This was a rough one. This, is, of course, is after the police were called to her house following the singer's deactivation of her Instagram account. Quote, I love and adore my fans, but this time things went a little too far and my privacy was invaded. Spears wrote in a statement posted to Twitter. Per TMZ, 
Spears posted an Instagram video promoting concerned fans. You skipped a link. I'm sorry. Promoting dancing (laughs) and saying, quote, I changed my name to River Red. The singer then deleted her account, prompting concerned fans to call the Ventura County Sheriff's Office. According to Spears, quote, the police never entered my home, and when they came to my gate, they quickly realized there were no issue and left immediately. This felt like I was being gaslit and bullied once the incident made it to the news and being portrayed once again in a poor and unfair light by the media. During this time in my life, I truly hope the public and my fans, who I care so much about, can respect my privacy moving forward. All the love, B. How many times must we tell you people, leave Leave Britney Britney alone? No, but seriously, you call yourself fans, but then you get do stuff like this, where you're like, oh, when she's just clearly being silly, you know, being Britney Spears, Mm -hmm. who is known to be silly, Let's be real. If you follow any of her Instagram or Twitter things, she's just a silly person. She just does weird things. She says weird things. She's kind of a weirdo, but that's one of the reasons why we love her. And she's so our weirdo. She does a weird thing like this, and everybody starts worrying about her and then calls the police on her. Please, don't do that. No better than this. Leave her alone. <laughs> Let her live. Let her be silly. No when things are jokes. Yes. No, know. not to be taken seriously. It just, yeah, it continues to be sucky to be Britney Spears, is, I guess, the, the, the lesson here. But yeah. yes, fans, come on. Respect her privacy, respect her independence, respect her ability to make choices. and Because um, that's how we ended up in this whole situation in the first place. Yep. Anyway. That's all. That's pretty much all this story is. It's a pretty light story, but yeah, it happened. So, leave her alone. Yep. Um... But moving on to the other <laughs> side of the country, from California, yes, to the U.S. Capitol, yes, where uh, the Ticketmaster Senate hearings were finally getting underway. So yes, uh, this is follow up from, of course, uh, that Senate said that they were going to tackle the Ticketmaster, Ticketmaster, Ticketmaster. No, no, uh, they can't write your Ticketmaster. 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 Fucking monster. Yeah. So Ticketmaster, basically monopoly. Situation uh, following the Taylor Swift fiasco. Um, and yeah, we're finally starting the hearings. Except Taylor Swift herself did not testify. No, not at this stage. No. Interest in the hearing was prom- pro- was prompted by reaction to the debacle involving November's sale about her Eras tour, um, in which Ticketmaster handed 47 of the 52 dates, yeah. uh, with SeatGeek ticketing those remainder five. Uh, let's see, Senator Mike Lee of Utah, mm-hmm. the current ranking member of the subcommittee, noted, quote, As I was driving up this morning, I couldn't help but notice I've never seen more smiling and happy demonstrators than I saw today. I think Switchies have figured something out. <laughs> They're very good at getting their message across. In, on the other side, though, in... In her initial remarks, Amy Klobuchar Mm -hmm. emphasized, quote, I believe in capitalism. Full stop. There's more. Okay. (laughs) I believe in capitalism. And to have a strong capitalist system, you have to have competition. You can't have too much consolidation. Something that, unfortunately for this country, as an ode to Taylor Swift, (laughs) I will say we know all too well. (sighs) 
it was not the only <laughs> citation of Taylor Swift lyrics during the proceedings. So yeah, I just mostly wanted to include the story just because, yeah, if you go and Google like a supercut of all the times that Senator said something about, it's quoted a Taylor Swift, Swift song, Trump. there's at least five or six of them, and it's very, <laughs> very funny. But the important note about the story is, yes, it looks like this is a uniting, uh, there's a united front against Ticketmaster here. There are uh, members of both parties that are interested in taking them down mm-hmm. and have different reasons, I guess. Um, in support of it. And yeah, so it's interesting, one, to see uh, our system working together like this, as it rarely does these days. And uh, two, uh, it gives me hope for how this will end. Uh, I think that uh, Ticketmaster uh, is going to have a lot of explaining to do here. Uh, and yeah, uh, Swifties are to thank for putting this into motion, uh, at least further in motion than it already was. So uh, yeah. Good vibes so far. We'll see how long those good vibes last when we start actually moving into Ticketmaster's side of the story, which will be interesting to hear. Oh, I can already tell what Ticketmaster's side of the story oh, is. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, the SEC allowed this to happen. Right, pretty much. Blame, blame the government. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you like, let this You let this happen. Well, previous administrations that were a little more relax about this kind of thing yes. made this happen, um, ultimately. But yeah, it's going to be a complicated thing, but... I'm interested to see more. I'm interested to see how this goes. And I'm interested to see your thoughts. Yes. On not one, not two, not three, not four. Well, no, just three. Not five. Just three. Oh, sorry. I I, I got my LeBron and me going there. So, so, uh, I have some thoughts. I listened to some music this week. I tried to get some new releases under my belt so I could talk about them. Also, because I plan on doing um, a semi-regular, at least when it's relevant, a collection of music thoughts for every week for New Release Friday. Um, I have not done that yet because I'm not quite done with the last, the fourth of the four records I think I was going to listen to, maybe more. But I have three uh, real quick hits that I want to talk about, one of which was a surprise release uh, that kind of confused and baffled everyone. And I'll start with that one. You know Lil Yachty? The uh, rapper? rapper? Yeah. Well, uh... Wasn't he uh, involved with Kardashians? Yeah, I think he was. At least one of them. <laughs> at least. <laughs> at least. Um, that I know of. So, uh, I guess he's been known for experimenting with other genres in the past, but this might be his most ambitious experiment yet. He's put out a surprise record this Friday called Let's Start Here. Um, and if you didn't know this was Lil Yachty, I think you'd be very confused with what this record is. It's a psychedelic rock record. But he's a rapper. I know. And some of it is kind of in a rap-like cadence, and he does sound like Lil Yachty. There's a lot of like call-and-response things that he's known for, and his brand of rap usually delivers. However, the instrumentation and the production are very much like a psychedelic rock record, with some pop leanings every once in a while. It is one of the strangest, most interesting things I've heard in a very long time. This thing is all over the place. Some songs go longer than six minutes. It is like a rock record with Lil Yachty on it. And there's guest spots, too. Um, There's some guest uh, artists that pop in every once in a while. But mostly it's him. There's even instrumentation done by bands that I'm familiar with, like uh, one of my favorites from uh, a couple years ago, uh, Magdalena Bay actually does production on one of the songs here. And I was like, what? I was just, like, shocked. And you know what? Most shocking thing, I actually had a really good time with this thing. Um, yeah, it's just very ambitious. Like, there's some wild stuff here happening production-wise. 
I don't love all the production. Uh, like the sound of it, like is kind of mixed for me. Uh, it goes in and out of like sounding like too crunchy, too overproduced kind of stuff. But uh, in general, there are some real bangers on this thing, and I was like, yeah, again, I was surprised just by how well this whole thing turned out. Um, I don't know if I'm going to return to it because it is a little long. Um, there's maybe one or two mini tracks on this thing. It's about an hour. Uh, but man. If you want to try something different, and if you want to start this year by, like, just, like, I don't know, expanding your mind a little bit, <laughs> this is definitely that. It's very psychedelic, very wild, very experimental, but still Lil Yachty, and sounds like Lil Yachty. I don't know how to describe it. You just have to try it for yourself, I guess. So if you're looking to get into Lil Yachty... <laughs> yeah, I guess, or... Should you start here? I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. It's it's such a weird thing. It's such a unique animal that I'm not really sure if I should sell this to anybody. Um... That being said, yeah, if that sounds interesting, uh, check it out. Okay. It's it's bizarre, uh, but it sounds pretty good, and I enjoyed my time with it. Uh, which is the complete opposite of what I'm going to say about the next record. <laughs> so, Sam Smith, uh, arguably the biggest non-binary artist in the world. Um, definitely the most uh, public and celebrity of, the, of, of um, representing uh, non-binary people. Uh, a Grammy staple at this point, appears at a lot of uh, award shows, and yeah, people were very excited for their next record, um, which is here, and it's called Gloria. Of course, we mentioned earlier in the top five, Unholy, mm -hmm. uh, their hit with Kim Petras is huge on radio and streaming. Everybody knows it and gets stuck in your head. Uh, definitely gets stuck in my head. <laughs> um, it's on this record, and it's surrounded by kind of boring, cliched pop music. Yeah, I'm expecting piano yeah. ballads here. There are a handful of piano ballads. Yep. Sam Smith was known as the ballad person yes. for the first couple of releases of their career. This has a little bit more of a dance pop leaning elsewhere on it. Like, besides those couple of ballads, they do kind of get on the dance floor a little bit. I think that we're, in the, we're firmly in the dance era of pop, you know, following Dua Lipa and Jesse Ware and, mm -hmm. of course, Beyonce's Record. Renaissance. Renaissance. And so it would be weird if Sam Smith didn't at least, you know, uh, throw their hand, throw their hat in the ring here. And they do. Okay. Um, and that's probably the best parts. Uh, the best parts are when Sam Smith just allows themselves to get on the dance floor and have some fun because that's when we love Sam Smith. Um, otherwise, though, the writing is pretty mediocre. The lyrics are boring. And a lot of the songs, even when they kind of start, you know, revving up, the choruses are a little predictable, and I just did not have a very, like, big, good time with it. So ultimately, my bottom line here is there's a reason why Unholy was the Smash single, is because it's the most interesting thing happening here. So, more of just a single hit than a full concept album. I, I think so. I think um, Unholy is probably the song to salvage from here. There's maybe one or two others that might be okay. But generally speaking, come on, Sam Smith. Like, you're more fun than this. You're more interesting than this. And you're more trailblazing than this. Like, you're important. And let, let's show that. Like, let's, like, get that passion into the music. It sounded like an even less exciting version of kind of what Lizzo's record was last year. But I like Lizzo's record. Well, then maybe you'd like some of the stuff here. But, uh, but I, don't I don't know. But if you said it's less exciting, maybe I'd more less like exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, Sam Smith, uh, you could do better, is what I'm saying. Like, we believe in you, Sam Smith. Oh, uh, is he not falling into the category of do better? <laughs> I mean, not really. It sounds harsh. So. It does. But anyway, 
And then uh, last but not least, and this is one that I think you will find especially interesting. Speaking of genre uh, pivots, mm-hmm. well, Yachty was not the only one to do a little bit of a genre pivot this 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 uh, week. L. King is back. The former pop, former country now? Uh, pop. So I guess she was kind of a pop rock kind of thing before. Yeah. Well, not anymore, as we just alluded to. She's gone country. Well, uh, well her last record was also country. Well, this is even more, though. What? Yes, this is even more so. This is a straight-up country record. L. King has released a country record and is going for, gunning for country radio. Okay. And this is called Come Get Your Wife. And very country title. Yeah, it is very, it is very country. Like she's completely leaning into the genre. Like I would say, all but one song, and I'll get to that in a second, is very like traditional. Not necessarily traditional. Like a mix between like modern country sound and occasionally uh, a traditional sound. And you know what? She pulls it off pretty well. Hmm. I think a lot of this. I, I imagine she probably partnered with a lot of established uh, country writers here because it definitely sounds like she just like already exists in the genre like there's like there doesn't seem like there's any growing pains getting there she just immediately like figured it out okay, so she's been in it for at least three years now i want to say yeah because she was at stagecoach in 2019 okay so maybe four years now well yeah uh, this is definitely an arrival because yeah there's this sounds like a country record and i imagine there'll be a couple of these that could very uh, very easily be a hit okay. um the one weird exception, and I think the most interesting song on the record, is this duet that she does with Miranda Lambert, oddly enough. Hmm. It is the least country thing on the record, really? even though Miranda Lambert is the guest artist. I had actually heard this before. They released it as a single last year. Uh, in fact, even before Palomino came out. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading about it um, and being like, well, this is weird. Like, this is probably a, this is the most poppy thing I've ever heard Miranda on. And so I thought that this record was going to be like that. The rest of it isn't, but that song is. So it's definitely got more of a pop construction to it than the rest of it. It's still country enough. It's got Miranda on it, for crying out loud. But, like, the rest of it is more traditional, and I was actually kind of surprised by how easily she fit into it. That being said, there's one small caveat, and El- and that's El King's voice. So, similar to the Liliati situation, the production on the vocals seems weirdly overproduced to me. It seems like El King still wanted that rock edge on her vocals, and that's in every single track here, Ooh. which is, you know, if you're into that and if you want something to sound a little lower fi, like kind of more of like a AM radio kind of vibe, then maybe you'll like it. But it kind of bugged me, especially compared to the production of the actual song she was singing on. The exception is the last song on the record where she actually kind of lets go and like sings more of a kind of a soul kind of like a classic rock blues kind of thing. And it makes me think like, oh, that's what her voice is good at. So I'm a little mixed coming out of it about like how I feel about going full country is for her career. I think she can do it. She's established now that she can. But my question is if she should. Because that last song kind of peeked back out of the window and was like, oh, she's a like she has a lot more that she can do with her voice beside outside of the country genre. I wish maybe she explored that a little bit more. But hey, as a as a country record, I think it'll do well. And I think this is probably a smart career move for El King. Is going to give her a audience that I think will be a little bit larger and a little bit more uh, welcoming than I think the the pop rock kind of appetite is right now. Even though Lana Skin is consistently trying to change that. Yes. Uh, but yeah. Yes, we'll they s- are. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I had an okay time with it. I wasn't. I wasn't amazed by it. But I think that if you're more, uh, like I think you guys should give this a shot because if oh, you're more in the country uh, lane, this might do more for you. 
Probably will. Yeah. So then uh, I got almost done with the Ava Max record as well, but I didn't have the time to finish it. But uh, I liked what I heard of it. It was a straight down the line pop record. It's kind of like a cousin to Dua Lipa's record. So you might want to check that out too. I think you'd like it. Ava Max? Yeah, Ava Max's new uh, new thing. It's very dance pop. <clears throat> okay. In kind of the Dua Lipa style. Nice. So maybe check that out. All right. All right. Well, that's what I listened to. There's a couple more I didn't get to, but uh, hey. Look on the website, MediaBillPodcast.com, and see if I have that wrangling up for you in a few days. All right. Um, like I said, I listened to the highlights. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been over that. <laughs> we've been over that. So, let's move right <clears throat> into video games. Mm-hmm. And we start with new releases. We do. Including Age of Empires 2, colon, Definitive Edition. Come to the console. For Xbox Series X and Xbox One. Yep. Uh, this is formerly PC game, not in the Xbox port. Yes. Um, also getting console release, Power Wash Simulator. Yes. For the PS4, PS5, and the Switch. So if you have PlayStation or Switch and you're waiting for this, this is your chance. Or if you have Xbox and you have Game Pass. It's already there. It's already there. Yeah. Uh, we also have Season. Ah, this was the other one I wanted to check out. Season, colon, A Letter to the Future for PS4, PS5, and PC. I've heard good things about this. It's kind of a narrative adventure about a person res- returning to the, a small town. Um, there's some more to it. I believe there's a little bit of a mystery um, happening there. Um, yeah, it seems cool. It looks really cool. It's got a cool art style. I probably will check this out and stream it for y'all. Okay. There's also SpongeBob SquarePants colon The Cosmic Shake. Yes. Coming to everything. Yeah, this is the spiritual sequel to the GameCube PS2 era Spongebob games after that re-release of one of those last year did so well. Uh, was it like the hydration uh, whatever? I forget what it is. But yeah, this is this is a brand new Spongebob game made in the spirit of those old ones. So platformers. Yes, platformers. Uh, are back. Yep. There's also We Were Here Forever for everything but the Switch. Right. Uh, Deliver Us Mars for everything <laughs> but the Switch. Here's Mars. And lastly... Uh, for you Sonic fans out there. It's not Sonic related. Okay. <laughs> Tails, colon, the Backbone Preludes. Yeah, not that Tails. PC. Not that Tails, and also not that back, not that Backbone. But it is a prelude. <laughs> yes, I guess so. And that's for the PC. All right. Let's All right. move into news. Let's move into news. And Neil Druckmann's been on the uh, press <laughs> tour recently mm-hmm. for The Last of Us um, TV show. Yes. So... As co-president of Naughty Dog, he's been asked a lot of questions about the other franchises that they own. Right. Other IPs. And one of them being the Uncharted series. Yeah. So, last year, we had the Uncharted movie. Mm-hmm. This year, we have Naughty Dog moving away from everything because <laughs> of that movie. Well, not really. I think this has less to do about the performance of the movie and more to do just, hey, they're a studio and they, you know, they want to keep looking towards the future. So Naughty Dog, as the stu- Neil Druckmann said, for Naughty Dog as the mm-hmm. studio, has quote unquote moved on from the Uncharted series and could do the same with The Last of Us should it decide not to proceed with a third mainline series entry. The Last of Us series has sold over 37 million copies since its debut in 2013 and is currently in the spotlight, as you mentioned, yes. thanks to uh, the TV show. 
Naughty Dog is also developing a standalone Last of Us multiplayer game, which will include its own story and a new cast of characters, which was announced two years ago. Right. Uh, despite the franchise's commercial and critical success, uh, Druckmann has claimed that Naughty Dog's parent company, Sony, wouldn't pressure the company into continuing the story of Ellie and Abby that was told in 2020's Last of Us Part 2. I mean, Sony knows better. They know not to look a gift horse in the mouth yes. like that. Uh, additionally here, um, it's not any different from what they've done in the past. I mean, they did the same thing with the Jack and Daxter mm-hmm. franchise. They did the same thing with Crash Bandicoot, even though Wright's stuff is uh, yes. partially did it to thank Could for that. There. Uh, but yeah, I I think that Uncharted 4 was a proper ending to that franchise. I don't think you need another Uncharted game. I think that story ends there. That story ends with uh, Nathan and Elena playing uh, Crash Bandicoot on the couch, <laughs> as it should. Uh, you don't need to tell more stories about those characters. I think that that story is wrapped up. Oh, you don't want to see uh, Kid Drake? No, I don't. I don't care about it. It's like, that's not what you're there for. And yeah, I think it's smart for them to just be... Like I said, constantly looking forward. As for whether The Last of Us should continue, this is interesting, and we'll get to it in cancellations and renewals, but they did also confirm a second season will happen of mm-hmm. The Last of Us show. Will that? What will that be about? Who the hell knows? Because, like I mentioned last week, you can't just jump into part two. Right, you can't There's just, a time you can't jump. You can't just instantly age them up. So the question is, is like, what, does, what story does a part two say? Uh, tell what does Neil Druckmann have plans for, and would that get them inspired to make a third Last of Us game? I don't know. But uh, so we'll get there. Knows? But yeah. how many seasons would you want before the introduction of Abby? I mean, that's already like that's already a moot point for me because the answer is one. I don't think you need to go beyond the first game because. Well, I didn't care for Part 2 that much. <laughs> if you ask maybe somebody who liked Part 2 more than me, then maybe. But I feel like. I don't know. I don't know if I have an appetite for it. Also, we're not done with season one yet. I feel yes. like I won't know exactly how I feel about that world and those characters until I see how they end season one. Well, based off the previews of like the coming soon, <laughs> yeah, and like the little clips that they show, like what to expect in the season, it does look like it goes through the full first right. game of the first yeah. season. And, and I've heard especially interesting things going into tomorrow's episode. I feel mm-hmm. like episode three apparently is where the shit hits the fan. I'm very excited to see. Also, Nick Offerman. Yes. <laughs> so we'll talk about that next week. But uh, yeah, um, but yeah, back to the video games. I mean, they obviously, you know, they should do what they do. I'm interested to see what they do with this multiplayer game. Also, I'm interesting. Now it's not a spoiler because that episode aired uh, last week's episode. But I want to I want to see what the if they do something in that multiplayer game with the hive mind concept that they introduced in the television. Oh. With I mean, you're up to date, right? Yeah. Watch episode two. Like, the idea of, like, all of them being connected mm-hmm. is not something they explored in the video game, and I'm interested to see if that gave, gives them inspiration for this multiplayer game. Maybe. See, I wonder if that's what they do with the, well, I guess we'll get there with the, the second show, in, yeah. second season in TV, <laughs> but if they just explore something completely different. Yeah, I wonder if there's, like, another story they can tell in that world mm-hmm. that's not about a life, like, <laughs> like, uh, like a world-changing human being right uh and maybe there's some other stories they could tell i don't know um or maybe it's backstory maybe they do kind of a prequel they could do a lot of things yeah anyway anyways we're combining uh video games and tv news. hey but hey but that's not new 
That's not new for us. No, especially since later this episode, we will cover a video game and news TV related. Yes, we will. Story. Let's move on. Yes, to sex story. We get to there. Uh, we move on into the world of Xbox. Yes, as Xbox has confirmed, it will return to Los Angeles <laughs> for a showcase this summer ahead of the first physical E3 show in four years. Summarizing its Developer Direct digital event in a blog post on Wednesday, the company wrote, quote, As we announced previously, in order to dedicate the proper amount of time <laughs> for a deep dive into Bethesda Game Studios, Starfield, a standalone show is in the works. In addition to this, our teams are working hard and looking forward to sharing even more of what's next for our fans when we return to Los Angeles for our yearly showcase this summer. So this is an interesting story. And that's the Xbox PR voice. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so this is an interesting story because this is the first of uh, the major uh, studios. studios to confirm that they will be at E3, unquote, unquote, mm-hmm. um, now that it's back to being a physical show. Um it's also one of the only interesting things that came out of their developer showcase, which Microsoft did this week. Um, more or less, we knew it wasn't going to be a huge announcement show that we knew it was going to be about games that we already knew about, just talking to developers about them. We did get a handful of release dates. We did get confirmation. But we, uh, this was probably the most interesting thing outside of the two actual announcements, which were Hi-Fi Rush, which I'll talk about, and um, GoldenEye 007 uh, dropping. Uh, so that's available now on the Xbox on Game Pass and and the Switch on the expansion pack. Mm-hmm. So if you have either of those things, hey, you can play some GoldenEye. I might jump on that later today. And I have neither of those things. Yeah, <laughs> well, too bad. Uh, yeah, not PC Game Pass. Yes. Apparently console only. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so it was kind of not necessarily something that had a lot of news out, out of it, but this was the one exception. It'll be interesting to see whether uh, Sony commits. They probably won't, considering that even back when E3 was physical, they had dropped out. Mm-hmm. So uh, that window, we're watching that window to see if anybody else pops in. And then don't expect anything from Nintendo, because they'll just do their treehouse. Always. They always do it. So yeah, interesting nonetheless, um, especially in this weird time for Xbox, after they just let, laid off so many people and uh, are in the midst of the legal battle with the government. It will be interesting. Although, I don't think you see a Sony booth. I think you just see PlayStation Studios. If even that is what I'm saying. Because like I said, even when it was physical before COVID, they didn't show. So, I don't know. We'll see. Show all the first party games. That's what E3 is for. Well, what what do they have? I'm trying to think of what they would show. New Naughty Dog IP because they currently don't care about Uncharted anymore. I guess this multiplayer thing. Um, Multiplayer? I don't know. What? What do they show? Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2. There you go. That's their, probably their fall game. Yeah. That's their flagship. That's what they're going to leave Because with. at that point, even Final Fantasy 16 will be out. Yeah. Or like around July. that time yeah. in those couple weeks. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Unless everything gets out of the way for um, Tears of the Kingdom. Wait, is that June or July? That... I don't know. That's August? July or August? Uh, maybe that's July. So, uh, so it would be that summer. thing. Yeah, <laughs> summer. We'll see. All right. All right. So, okay, you just buried the lead there. Yes. You played the game. 
Yes, I played uh, one of those games uh, that was released uh, and announced at the same time at the Xbox Developer Showcase. And that is Tango Gameworks' Hi-Fi Rush. Now, if Tango Gameworks sounds familiar, they're the developer of Evil Within games, 1 and 2. And also, um, last year's Ghostwire Tokyo, which was released to kind of mixed reviews. This is their new game, published by Bethesda. um, And it was a huge surprise for everybody, and including me. It is like nothing I've ever played before. It is a rhythm game action like action game so action think of platformer. like yeah platformer think of like devil may cry mm-hmm. mixed with like a rhythm game and you get more or less what hi-fi rush is it's really cool it's a really cool game so i streamed about an hour of it uh the second level of that if you want to check it out that's on mediaboatpodcast.com or on our youtube channel uh, and for the next six days on twitch.tv slash mediaboat <laughs> Uh, but yeah, if you want to check that out, it's really, really cool. So that's on Game Pass and also available on Steam uh, if you're a PC person. And yeah, it's really, really cool. So basically, you play as this guy, Chai, who has somehow, because of a weird organization that is experimenting on, on people, has a MP3 player lodged into his chest. And because of this, he can do crazy rhythm-based combat moves. So he has this, like, robot arm that has magnetic powers, and he can, like, grab things with it. And this turns into, basically, a guitar-shaped sword in which he does battle with. And all of your combos in combat are based on the rhythm of the song that's playing in the world. And it's not just original songs, either. The boss battles here are licensed songs. (laughs) The first boss, for example, is a Nine Inch Nails song uh, that plays alongside of it. So the rhythm is important to combat because the more you hit your, like, do your hits on beat, the more damage they'll do and the more successful your combos will be. So it plays with that in different ways. There's combos you can buy that actually play with, like, timing, too. So if you're musically inclined, it might be easier for you to do more damage and do earn better scores on the combat scenarios depending on your, like, mastery of that beat. So, button mashing is frowned upon. No, yeah, no, absolutely. It's, but the rest of the game, though, does encourage you to be on beat as much as possible. The whole world, while you're going through it, is pulsing with the beat of the song. Mm-hmm. There's even, like, a meter you can pull up by pressing the menu button that is straight up shows you the beat of the song. Uh, your little cat uh, com- like uh, uh, partner like also glows with the beat. So the mm-hmm. whole game is telling you Stay on beat. Stay on beat because it's so crucial to how combat works. You can buy extra combos from the store to like flesh out your options in battle, uh, and everything feels super, super good when you execute it. Like it's super stylish. The look of the game is really cool. It goes seamlessly from three D to two D animation in the cutscenes to like sometimes a hybrid of both, and there's constant music happening. The characters are well-designed. Everything is colorful and really pops. Uh, I'm having a great time with this game. And um, seeing how available it is, even not on Game Pass, this is only $30. It's a great deal for something that seems pretty meaty, too. I'm only only a couple hours in. I'm only two levels in. So there's a lot to play here. 
Um, I think fans of like games like Sunset Overdrive, mm-hmm. this is not a shooter, but it definitely has a lot of Sunset Overdrive's like style to it. Yeah. And also Ratchet and Clank mm-hmm. uh, comparisons are pretty easy to make here, as well as Devil May Cry. Uh, uh, because some cell shaded too. Yeah. As well. Yeah, and so like and the art style very comic booky. It's very comic booky. Um, and yeah, there's a lot to like here. Uh, yeah, Hi-Fi Rush. It's really, really cool. Worth giving a shot. I will probably play more of that on stream, uh, maybe later today, depending on how Goldeneye goes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's, it's a, what I recommend, though, if you have a sound setup, if you're playing on console, for example, and you have a sound setup that's, um, maybe has a little bit of audio lag, you might have some difficulty with combat. Can you retool it? So, no, there doesn't seem to be a uh, rock band style calibration, calibration. option. So I recommend checking your lag, playing on PC if you can with some headphones, because that's probably the ideal situation here. Because, yeah, that beat matters. Uh, but, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Like I said, I watched you play this on the, yeah. on the stream. It looked really good. It looked really fun. It's fun. Uh, I really like the art style to it. It's mm-hmm. very um, graphically uh, pleasing. Oh, yeah, no, it's cool to look at. It's, uh, it's, the snappy dialogue too. Oh, yeah, that I didn't even mention the writing. I actually really am enjoying the writing, uh, which is topical. There's been a big conversation happening in games Twitter this week about dialogue, especially between this game and Forspoken, which we kind of briefly brought up last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting how like similar they are in th- like theoretically, and how different they are in execution. Because it seems like this one actually does fun. Uh, witty writing correctly, and I'm I'm th- and I'm finding myself laughing at a lot of the dialogue here. So yeah, I love the world. I love the characters. I'm very excited to see where it goes. The story itself, though, kind of forgettable. I will say I don't really understand what the company that I'm fighting against does, why I'm there, who these do like what what their plans are. I have no idea. But I'm along for the ride. The rest of it's so fun that I'm not really I don't really care if I don't really understand what the the motives are. So yeah, it's cool stuff. Yeah, um, I've been playing Star Wars. Okay, Jedi Fallen Order. Yes, uh, that is the PlayStation Plus free game for the month. Uh, playing it ahead of the sequel sequel release later this year. Yes, uh, I did play it when it originally came out, uh, mainly because it was an EA game, and that was like that was the 2018 right when. EA was uh, not the best on everyone's mind. <laughs> but yeah, it did uh, reviewed pretty well back then. I mean, it was nominated for Game of the Year. It was. Although, you know, when you're going up against God of War, which eventually won. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm having a fun time with it. Um, a lot of adventuring into it, a lot of platforming, but also the slow unlocking of all of the Force powers makes you feel a bit more powerful as the more you progress. Um you keep saying that people compare it to like a Souls like game. Yeah, initially they did. But isn't like the Pulp Person of Souls game that you don't really like level up that much? That uh, you can beat everything as you are from the beginning? I think that that's why it was Souls like and not like a straight up Souls game. Okay. Is because, yeah, I think it simplifies a lot of that a little bit more than the Souls games does. I think people were making that comparison because of the combat being very parry based. Oh, yeah. Um, I can see that though. But it yeah, is, player progression is simplified because I think they want it to be more accessible because it's a Star Wars game. It's a Star Wars game. So, but yeah, there were some comparisons. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, I, don't, I was really surprised that this was done by Respawn. Yeah, I know. They had some range as a studio, it turns yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, but I'm having really fun with it. Um, yeah, it's, cool. uh, like I said, I'm only about two, three hours into the game. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I've played so far, it's actually getting me really excited to play the sequel coming out. So I'll probably get that game flagged kind of day one if I can. So nice. um, cool. I'm playing that off stream. I might stream it on. Um, uh, so I figure out my stream schedule. Okay. All right. Mondays and Fridays. Okay. I have I have a block there of an hour. So right, Mondays cool. and Fridays. And I've got t- Tuesdays and Thursdays, so that works out perfect. Perfect. All right, so, and maybe Saturdays, depending. Yes. Uh, but yeah, well, cool. And uh, You'll have to check back in once you get a little further in that. Yep, I'll check back in there. Last thing I want to uh, want to mention real quick, because I was reminded by the television, or the screen in front of me here. Yes. Um, right now in Fortnite, there is the Kid Leroy has an event happening right now. Uh, oh, if you care at all about the Kid Leroy, uh, go on to Fortnite. There's a special level right now. He does the kind of performance slash level thing that other artists have done in the past, like Ariana Grande and Travis Scott. Yeah. Um, you can also buy him in the game and play as him. The thing that they did with him is actually kind of interesting. I don't really care about the Kid Leroy, but the way you kind of kind of play through his music is actually really cool. And like, yeah, it's a, like a neat experiment in a virtual concert. Uh, where you're actually, there's an interactive component while the Kid Leroy is performing. Hmm. It's neat, and it's really hard to explain without actually experiencing it. Um, but yeah, I had some fun with that. And I got ex- experience in Fortnite, so I'm like, hey, sure, sure, I got something out of this. Cool. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's a neat little thing. It's alive, I believe, until on Fortnite until April, so you've got a few months to check it out. But uh, yeah. Even for someone who didn't care about the Kid Leroy at all, it was a neat little thing. And <laughs> I'm glad that they're trying those experiments kind of in Fortnite because it's a, it's a neat little deal. Hey, that's so all good. Go. That's all there. So yeah, that's it. That's what I played this week. And yep, aside from continuing to play more Marvel Snap, that's all <laughs> I played this week. Well, cool. Then we can move on. All right. Let's go right then into... Television. And we always start the television section with the sports corner. You have uh, sports entertainment here t- starting up the, uh, the the section here with the Royal yes, Rumble happening. That is tonight. That is tonight. So get your... And that's on Peacock? Yes, it is. So tune on to Peacock to get your wrestling action tonight with the Royal Rumble. 30 men enter. 30 women enter. <laughs> not at the same time. Because <laughs> God forbid. But only one winner will punch their ticket to... WrestleMania main yes. event. Well, we will see. In the meantime, though, other sport, real sports are happening. Hey. Yes, Brian Gumbel's real sports. <laughs> NFL championship Ooh, games have been decided. We'll get there. Uh, yes, the NFL championship games have been decided. You were wrong about the Bills. Oh, yes. The 49ers and the Eagles, and then the second game will be the Chiefs and the Bengals. So who do you have? Who are your picks? Uh, so... Uh... I really want to say the... I don't want to say the Eagles. I don't want to say the 49ers because I don't like yeah. either of them. Well, too bad. <laughs> so, uh, everyone here in this household is on the Joe Burrow train. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're rooting for the Bengals because uh-huh. they should have won last year. Um, yeah. They just, unfortunately, went up against an all-star team right. <laughs> of, like, the quarterback and receiver and defensive player of the year just all balling out of their minds in that season which yeah. is why the Rams won also that's a more interesting game right if it the is. Bengals because I mean we've seen it we've seen a Chiefs Super Bowl we've yes. seen Mahomes Mahomey do his thing at the big game maybe give somebody else a shot yes but 
granted, we've also haven't seen him in the actual big game in two years. Yeah, it's been a couple years. But but we should only think that because he's made it to the championship game (laughs) for the past five seasons. You're right. But yeah, uh, it should be interesting uh, to see how these shake out. Yep. And then uh, Eagles and Niners. Uh, Really interesting to see if the Niners pull it off because... Uh, Mr. Irrelevant is their quarterback Yes, now? that's been kind of the story coming into these uh, championship games is out of nowhere, this man is making it happen. Uh, yep, Mr. Irrelevant is currently 8-0 <laughs> as a starter for Mr. the Niners. Mr. Increasingly Relevant, <laughs> turns out. That's what they should call him. Uh, so, yeah, uh, what a story. And, uh, yeah, what's some games, some serious games coming up here. Yes. Is that today and tomorrow or just tomorrow? It's just tomorrow. Both just games tomorrow. are tomorrow for okay. Sunday. Uh, and then the following week will be the Pro Bowl, and then the week yes. after is that. Speaking of is, which, is. yes, Pro Bowl uh, starts on Thursday uh, with the flag football game on Sunday, February 5th. Uh, so on Thursday, it is the skills competitions. Right. And then I'm covering that now because we won't get to it by the time we get to yes, the podcast. Yes, yes. Then the skills competition will continue and then end with a flag football game. Okay, well. Yep, on Sunday. Uh, both the Manning brothers have picked their players <laughs> between the AFC and the NFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Um, well, it's in Vegas again. Oh, well, well, always. Fun. Yep, so Pro Bowl in Vegas. And you're not going this time? Uh, no, not this year. I went last <laughs> year. year. All right, let's move on to hockey, which has their all-star game this Saturday, February 4th. Uh, yep, uh, like I said, uh, much like with the Pro Bowl, um, they have it in the same week. Yeah. Uh, the skills competition is on Friday with the game covering next Saturday. So cool. making that mention here, yep. in case one, either I forget next week or just yep. like, hey, set your DVRs. Yes. <laughs> Give you the week notice. <laughs> Moving on to uh, baseball. Scott Rowland was the only player elected to the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, from the Baseball Writers yes. of America. Correct. Off ballot, though. Meaning these people are no longer eligible to be on the ballot. Right, sadly. Mike Napoli, John Lackey, Andre Athier, Jacoby Ellsbury, and Jared Weaver. Womp womp. Yeah, some some uh, surprising names that will never be in the Hall of Fame there. Uh, like, well, unless special committees asterisk. later. Asterisk, asterisk. Yes, yeah. unless special committees. But yeah. Recognize um, Lackey and Weaver as uh, hometown favorites. Yes, as hometown pitchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Big Mike Napoli as yeah. well. Just, just, yeah, it makes you wonder how maybe they should maybe consider reworking how the Hall of Fame works. <laughs> just a it's lot. a 75% vote. Yeah, well. But then again, you don't have to use all your votes. It's yeah. who of this list do you deem eligible? And mm-hmm. if, as a writer, you think only one person is eligible, you can put only one person on the ballot. Right. Before we move on from baseball, I want to add a couple of ancillary stories since you don't have them. Oh, the local stories? Well... They're not really that local when you consider the impact of it. Oh, you're talking about the um, Valley Sports. Well, it's both of those. Okay. I was going to mention both. Uh, the one that you mentioned is kind of a local story, but I think it actually is bigger than that, considering it may decide the future of Shohei Otani. Yes. Um, is that, yes, uh, we had reported previously here that uh, Angels owner Arde Marino was going to sell the team. He had planned on it. He had said that they were, they were negotiating with uh, potential buyers. Note how he said was. Yes. Well, not anymore. Uh, this past week, they released a press, co- a press release that said that the team is no longer looking to be bought and that the Moranos will continue ownership 
of the team of the Angels uh, for the foreseeable future. Well, you know, they were only offered $3 billion. God. So yeah, details ended up kind of trickling out the days after that, saying that there were interested buyers that were going to spend a lot of money on it. And ultimately, I guess, Artie was just convinced that he wanted to keep them. Um, too much to the chagrin of Angels fans worldwide. Yes. The worry now has to do with Otani, is that it seems like probably the rest of the teams are going to be like, obviously they're going to keep them. If there was a new ownership, they would probably be like, no, the reason why we're buying this is because Otani is a world-class superstar Mm -hmm. and we want to keep him. Artie might not believe that, and maybe that's one of the reasons why he wanted to keep his grubby mitts on the team is that he gets to decide ultimately what Otani's fate is, and maybe he thinks it's a better idea to see what they can get for Otani. Well, you know, you could sell him to the Yankees for a billion dollars. Oh, easily. Uh, I mean... God, can you imagine a team with Otani and Aaron Judge Judge on it? (laughs) Jesus Christ. So, yeah, like, it's just, it's bad news, though, ultimately, I think, for a lot of people, for Angels fans and for the league as a whole. Because I think as long as Artie Moreno is in charge, that team is never going to be what we wanted to to be and never going to live up to the potential, I think, that the Angels could have. Or he just had a change of heart in that this past year he had a the 20-year celebration of winning the World Series, and he's like, you know, know we could have done this. Well, that's what I'm thinking, and I said this in our kind of group chat conversation, is he wants to be the man that people think is Mm -hmm. ultimately, if if there is potential with the team, and if they do pull it out this year, which I still don't have faith in it. I got way too ambitious with my hopes last season, and I got them dashed. Well, yeah, so they had the big season, fight. They had the big fight with the Mariners, and yeah, everything went downhill from Right, there. the Mariners jinxed us. And then, so this season, I'm coming in with a little bit more metered expectations. That being said, if we do pull it off, Moreno's, Moreno's going to be at the first thing and be like, well, obviously, it was because I stuck around. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants. He wants to be, like, to take the responsibility for it, which yeah. sucks. The other story that you also mentioned that does actually have local implications, potentially, is the potential implosion of the Bally Sports Regional Networks. So the parent company, I guess, of this organization is potentially looking at Chapter 11 bankruptcy because financials just didn't shake out the way that they wanted to in this coming year. Uh, If that happens, it will go hand-in-hand with what we talked about last week, which is the league is trying to figure out how to even approach regional sports networks in terms of blackout dates. Yes. Dep- because of how many teams that are under this Bally Sports deal would be affected by bankruptcy, that decision might be sped up. And that might be they might be looking at making that decision during this season as opposed to later. Hey, it might be why they were exploring it in the first place. Because someone be. tipped them off that, hey, it's possible. Bally might not be around by the time like March or April comes. So here's the thing. that So you're probably asking, well, what happens if this happens? And... This is why it's a potentially earth-shattering deal for Major League Baseball. Teams like the Angels are probably okay. Most of their money from the Angels comes from things outside of their TV deal. Their TV deal is part of their financial picture, Mm -hmm. but it's not the entirety of it. However, your your big teams are are, are fine. fine. Like your Dodgers, your Yankees, your Astros. Your Angels and your Dodgers. But like... Well, the Dodgers have a different deal, but you know yes. what I mean. Yeah. But the team, but there are smaller teams that have deals with Bally where a lot of their revenue comes from Bally, and they rely on that TV deal. So if that just snaps, and they then have to absorb the the, the, the basically mm-hmm. the rights and take control of that, 
they don't know what they're doing. They can't just m- magically make TV broadcasts come out of come out of pocket. Like, yes, yeah, so, yeah, you'd love to do that. Uh, I don't think that's a one man operation, unfortunately. Hey, I've done a one man operation before. <laughs> Highly true. not recommended. No, don't though. recommend it. Um, and so, yeah, like it's very possible, like possible that they'll have to take on a lot of responsibility, and all of a sudden won't be able to pull it off. And then that is a huge financial hit for those smaller teams. This could be disastrous for them if this happens and they don't have a backup plan. That brings in the league. Then it's the league's responsibility to figure that out for them, and that goes to trying to figure out this new TV deal. So there's probably a best-case scenario and a worst-case scenario here that I've been thinking about this week. Best-case scenario is they immediately figure out, we just need to do away with blackout, uh, blackout dates for MLB TV and just throw everything on that, have a league-owned just subscription service that anybody can watch any game. Boom. Mm-hmm. Basketball does it. Why can't you? The other, the worst-case scenario is, even though the Bally stuff, stuff just disappears, they just hand some also equally as bad cable conglomerate that still requires you, that just hands all of the rights as existing over to them, and then they just, then we just live this again. And then you have a new system that you have to have a cable subscription to sign up for, blackout dates remain, and then you're just screwed. And then everybody is still in the same boat that they're in now, which is having to pay for cable for one channel. Or, best case scenario, MLB TV does streaming on MLB TV, or... There's Peacock, there's HBO Max. Yeah, that's the other possibility here. They, is they that have this streaming deal with Apple. I could you just s- go to Apple. I could see that. And I, that would be good for me. Yes. But what I'm saying, that's why, why I didn't say that's the best case scenario, is because then people who aren't already in the Apple TV ecosystem then are forced to do so. Yes. And you already saw people angry about that when it was just the occasional Friday game. Yep. If all of a sudden it became, oh, I can't watch my local team at all unless I'm an Apple TV Plus person. I think a lot of people would be justifiably angry about that. Oh, yeah. so that's why I said the best case scenario is just one service that gives you everything. Because that, that like I said, that's MLB again, TV. If basketball, if the NBA yeah. can do it, everyone else can. I don't know why NFL Sunday Ticket does yeah, it. I don't know why it's like pulling teeth for these other leagues to realize it's consistent revenue. Yeah, but you do realize <laughs> that even the baseball writers of America are all seventy years old. <laughs> yes, that's true. They don't understand what streaming is. Yes. Um, so yeah, it, this it will. I think this is potentially brewing to become a very important story this year in sports. So I'm shocked that you left it off of this week's news. I don't want too much sports stories. <laughs> also, um, I am both shocked and happy that you are talking so much about sports right now. Hey, no, I told you I'm all in this year, and uh, if this gives me an easier way to absorb more baseball, then I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. But I'm worried that. The worst case scenario is more likely. I know we talked about off podcast about yeah. this, but why isn't there like a red zone version there needs of the to baseball be. game? There needs to be. I would love a service that just shows me, oh, a huge, uh, a huge like a grand slam just happened in the Mariners game, and it just mm-hmm. shows you real quick. Or it's like, oh shoot, a really impressive double play happened over in over in uh, like in um, I don't know in in Detroit, Minnesota, or something. Like, yeah, yeah. I want to see like clips. Like, like they just show me in real time, like, oh, a cool thing just happened, red zone style. Mm-hmm. I know why you can't do that, because it would have to be on practically 24-7. Well, not only that, but you'd have to have 
every single you have to have designated start times mm-hmm. for every game. It would be impossible to implement and it would be a rights nightmare, which is why they can't do it. Yep. But man, do I want it. Just yep. too many games. Too many games. But yeah, that's 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 I think probably the biggest sports story of the week. Right. But we'll but yeah, we'll have well, a lot to cover next week. We'll have our uh, champions uh, for our uh, for our conferences in the NFL in the, in the NFL next week. So we'll we'll know our uh, Super Bowl matchup. Yep. And then in two weeks, I think it's two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitchers and catchers start reporting. Yes. Uh, three weeks. It's before. It's right after Valentine's Day here. Yeah, and then the week after that in change, the weekend after that will be the first games of yep. spring training. So get ready. Spring training is almost upon us. Baseball's almost here. Sign up for your services now, or at least when they go up. I checked, and LB TV's not up yet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I looked. All right, let's move on to our first story in television proper. Well, Actually, no, we're not done with sports. You're right. Yes. I forgot. Tennis happens. Yes. Um, the Australian Open. Yes. Wrapping up. Because it's easy to forget this, but it's summer down in Australia, yep. and they are playing... The Australian Open Women's Singles Championship. Uh, the number five ranked Arina Sabalenka uh, beat the number 22 ranked Elena Rybakina, and later. Our uh, yeah, later meaning tomorrow. And then later in uh, the men's, men's singles. The men's singles. Uh, you have <laughs> Media Pote, infam- infamous, uh, not so much favorite. Djokovic, Novak Djokovic, yes, versus Stefanos. Oh boy, Sitsipas, Sitsipas, Why are all four of these have terrible names to pronounce? Anyways, because international tournament. Set me up to fail on these. So that's tennis. I don't have anything to say about that. Well, one congratulations to Arya. Yeah, you literally won like. An hour ago, <laughs> as well, of this recording. Breaking news, there you go. And then, um, good luck to Stefanos. Please beat uh, Novak, maybe? We would like that, yes. All right, let's move on now to television news. Now we get to the big story of the week. Yeah, it's a follow-up to our previous story last week about... Um, Video games. Everyone's favorite uh, Szechuan sauce influencer, um, Justin Roiland, a.k.a. yes, Rick and Morty, etc., uh, Adult Swim, uh, after we basically called out everybody that was partnership uh, that was in partnership with Justin last week for not saying anything, mm-hmm. well, this week, everybody said something. Yep. Uh, Adult Swim cut ties officially with Justin Roiland um, in the wake of the news, of course, of his felony charge. Uh, the network released a statement that Rick and Morty, however, would continue through its already contracted 10th season with a vocal recast. So, so he does in... the voices of the main two characters. Yep. He will no longer be the voices. They will recast those characters. Also, he will no longer be involved in the writing or creation of the show going forward. Yep. Uh, they're in season seven yeah. of their 10 season deal. Yeah. So, yeah. so that means, of course, uh, Royland will still be credited as co-creator because, you know, rules say that, that you can't undo that. Yes. But Dan Harmon will now be the lone showrunner. Uh, moving forward, even though, from what I understand, the last few seasons, it's mostly just been Dan Harmon anyways, mm-hmm. and then apparently Justin was just showing up to do the do the lines. Well, that's because he also had his hands in other projects. Well, it turns out those other projects are also <laughs> removing him, uh, including Hulu's Solar Opposites and Koala Man, which both had his voice and creative input, will no longer as well. Yep. 
meanwhile, 20th, century, 20th television animation, where Royland had an overall deal with produces both series of those, has also cut ties. So nothing forward in the future will happen with Royland's involvement either. Koala Man, which premiered on January 9th, comes from creator Michael Cusack and showrunners Benji Simit and Dan Hernandez. Both it and Solar Opposites are slated to continue without Royland's involvement. Uh, Royland, of course, has pleaded not guilty to those domestic violence charges stemming from that 2020 incident. Um, we'll see how the case progresses. Also related to this, Squash Games, the developer yes. of uh, recently released uh, High, High on Life. Life, also has cut ties with Justin Royland. We'll no longer be working with him, but development will continue on future projects. Mm-hmm. So, not a great week to be Justin Royland. It is, uh, Hollywood has officially uh, washed hands of him. Um, as everybody hoped that they would. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that text messages exchange got released, and yep. everyone was like, yep, that's <laughs> nope. too much for us. We're done, we're done. So, yeah, again, you know, legally we have to say that no charge has actually, you know, like no sentencing has happened here. Yes. Uh, but what we have to say is, hey, Hollywood, you know, has to, we, we, if you're going to do business with somebody, you have to make sure that you're, you know, know everything that's going on with that person, and they've ultimately decided it was too complicated of a matter to be involved with. That's why I know everything that's going on with you. <laughs> yeah, way too complicated. Let me wash my hands. Uh, so yeah, uh, this finally, hey, some actual good. comeuppance. Hey, good news for some, the year. Yeah, honestly, this this took a little too long, in my opinion. But yeah. now that it's finally done, I guess the question is: is like, is Rick and Morty the same? Uh, going forward, do they find sound likes? Do they try something completely different, voice wise, like with those characters? What do you do? I mean, Rick and Morty, like I said, has gone on through six seasons, seven seasons. So, much like with uh, Big Mouth, yeah, did it, and much like with the Cleveland Show, did it. Yeah, there are good sound likes out there. There are yeah. good voice actors out there who can provide a good sound like. Yeah, and even if it's not a perfect sound like, guess what? Rick and Morty. Is multiverse. You can literally make an in-universe excuse for. Yes. That'll take three seconds to explain. Yes. It's like a line of dialogue. It's like, oh, well, we, we got rid of those other ones. Now we're the, we're the permanent ones. Or either that or a, oh, someone shot out our voice boxes. We have these right. new mechanical voice boxes for our episode. Yeah. End of the episode, here's the new voice. Oh, yeah. And don't don't be surprised if I ad-lib way less. Yes. <laughs> No, what? I'm burping gr- gone. I've given up drinking. Yeah. No, no more drinking. <laughs> no more burping anymore. I don't know. It just sort of happened. No, just write that into the story. Yeah. He's been tracking me through That's my so drinking. <laughs> I've been tracked through my drinking. That's it. No more. Morty was the drinking, Morty. All right, anyways, let's move on before we continue doing Rick and Morty impressions. <laughs> hey, if we do the right enough impressions, maybe they'll hire us. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our second story here Amazon. Amazon is developing a TV series based on the Tomb Raider video game franchise. I could have seen this coming a mile away. We I talked did, about we this. Kind of did. We did cover this. Uh, with scripts written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And that's the headline. That's the twist. So we knew that they were already developing this because MGM. Yeah. Uh, since they purchased it. Right. Uh, but This now, is why they made such a big deal like, oh, we're not making a movie. It's because you're making a TV show. <laughs> Didn't we say they're making a TV yeah, show? Yeah, we, we called this. Details are light on this new Tomb Raider series, but The Hollywood Reporter says that while Waller-Bridge will serve as a writer and executive producer, she won't be Lara Croft, so don't get too excited. It's okay. If you want to see her in Lara Croft light, or esque, she will be in the upcoming Indiana Jones and oh, The right. Dial of Destiny. I forgot about that. 
The actress, writer, producer is also developing Sign Here, an adaptation of Claudia Lux's book with the author attached to write the script. The Tomb Raider show will have to compete. Oh my god, I'm not talking to you, Sarah. Siri. Siri. (laughs) Sarah. I was thinking of Lara. Yes. Whatever. Sarah. Uh, With the. (laughs) A lot of other video game adaptations of the works. Yes. It's a popular time to make video game shows. Netflix is, of course, still making a Horizon Zero Dawn series. Peacock is developing Twisted Metal. Amazon announced also God of War in December and Sony's Gran Turismo movie. Is set to premiere this August. So this is also in addition to Arcane, also over at Netflix. Yes, as well as Last as of Us, which continues. <laughs> yeah, it's big time to yep. do that shit. So uh, strike while the iron is hot, as they say. You know all these conventions that people have been going on, putting on these costumes. Yeah, turns out you can hire those people, and I'll do it full time. <laughs> <laughs> turns out, <laughs> took someone like God fifteen years to I realize know. that. Uh, yeah, I feel like this is a long time coming. Uh, especially with how popular video games have been. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we're here. We've arrived. We've arrived. It's our time now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Now let's move on to television thoughts. We watch a lot of TV. Oh, we week. watch so much TV. Don't worry. Mine are going to be fast. So uh, why don't you do yours first? What the hell is Physical 100? All right. So this is a South Korean-based ah. competition. Got it. Out on Netflix. Okay. Um, where it poses the single question. What is the optimal physique body type? That's a good question. Because everyone has... The answer is mine. Yes, the answer is always (laughs) your own. Be comfortable in your own body. Mine is the dad bod. (laughs) But in terms of a competition, there's people trained for all types of things. There are people who train for modeling bodies, Mm -hmm. people who train for stunt stunt work. Bodybuilders. Bodybuilders, competitions. Swimmers. Swimmers. Yeah, they're all uh, Olympic athletes, gymnasts, um, even like uh, influencers, like YouTube influencers. Somehow, yes. Um, that There's all these different body types out there. So, mm-hmm. what's the optimal body type? And that's what Physical 100 aims to answer. Interesting. Where they have literally the running spectrum of body types out there. Like I said, from everyone that I've listed... Um, even an MMA fighter in there as well. Yeah. And so there's 100 people, both men and women, to determine what is the absolute physique, the optimal physique for a for people. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool and really interesting. It okay. takes the concept of Squid Game, of putting 100 people in a competition, but eliminates all the killing aspects of it. This is non-fictional. <laughs> yes, it's non-fictional. Yeah, eliminates all the... Like the um, the, no one dies. Yeah, no one dies. Thank God. Uh, eliminates kind of like the a whole like Alice in Borderlands aspect of it as well. Right. Where it's life or death situations. It's straight up competition amongst your peers. So the first two episodes are out. It is, it can be subtitled, but it can also be dubbed uh, because Netflix, which we'll talk about later in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm having a fun time with it. Uh, it very has South Korean drama. Um, ties into it as they get through everybody of who they who like you should like be on the lookout for yeah and kind of goes to their backstories of why they're here but one of the real interesting thing is that once you're eliminated you have to destroy your bust <laughs> yes <laughs> that that's the, the that's the reaction i was looking for so uh in the beginning uh they have all the different body types scattered around because they take a model a bolt a model of yeah. everyone's chest yeah Upper body chest. So, like, first episode is everyone, like, sizing up this person and that person. But when you lose and are eliminated, you have to f- 
physically destroy <laughs> your plastered bust. It was like, my body is not good enough. Bam. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Wow. But also, um, it's a really good competition. I really kind of hope they bring it to the U.S. Okay. Make a U.S. version of this thing. Yeah. Uh, like I said, um, lots of different body types, lots of different kind of gym mentalities on it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, except for the CrossFit people. <laughs> they all have the exact same mentality no matter where you go. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but it's funny because like they're in here and they're very pompous, but then when they lose to the firefighter, they're like, oh, I, what, how's he doing better than me? Grr, CrossFit, grr. <laughs> <laughs> always, always. Uh, but it's hilarious. I really like it. Um, uh, two episodes are out right now on Netflix. Um, I'm looking forward to the remainder of these. Uh, this is a weekly uh, offering. All right. Sounds good. Also on Netflix this week. Yes. That 90s show. Yeah, I'll be brief here. Uh, I had a little bit of a 90s sitcom week uh, where I watched a couple of pilots. Mm-hmm. I technically watched these last week, but I forgot to talk about it. Because uh, uh, these, these are not brand new. Uh, this is kind of a week old. But yeah. I'll just be brief. So That 90s show is a continuation of sorts of That 70s show. Don't worry, it has nothing to do with the failed Fox 80s show, which uh, was awful. Uh, but no, the 90s show continues the continuity of the 70s show. So you have the a lot of the characters from that show returning here in their current, well, in their 90s incarnations. Well, it, it is 20 years yeah. later. It takes place in 1995, which is important to mention. Uh, it mostly is about the daughter of the, um, of what's-his-name's character. Ashton Kutcher. No. Mila Kunis. No. That's the other couple. Oh. Uh, the, the main character, do, what's Topher his name? Topher Grace. Topher Grace, thank you. Topher Grace's daughter is, yeah. is the star here, uh, who is a teenager. And she decides she wants to live with her grandparents, a.k.a. the parents from the original. And so they're back playing the same characters, looking much older, as you imagine. Playing the grandparents now. And all the original teenagers from the show, which are now the parents, they show up in a cameo-like status. In the pilot, there are most of them there, except, of course, uh, members of the show that, say, are uh, sex criminals who are not on the show. <laughs> um, but, yeah, other yeah, talking about, of course, Danny Masters. Yes. But everybody else has returned here um, for at least cameos, and um, I think if you have nostalgia for that 70s show, this works a little better. If you don't, it's pretty boilerplate sitcom fare here. Now, what if I have nostalgia for the 90s? Well, there's a little bit of that here. Um, the 90s jokes are very hit or miss. I talked about this briefly on some of my Fortnite streams this week, if you want to hear some more beat-by-beat thoughts about this. Oh, but, Fortnite. Um, yes. But, uh, but yeah, um, it's fine. Uh, some of the references worked for me. I got some chuckles, but most of them were prowl- were pretty misses. Like, it's just, it's, it's a sitcom-ass sitcom, and they really lean towards that kind of classic style. So, you know, if you're expecting that and if you want that kind of nostalgia hit of that show that you liked, there's a lot there. Um, there's a lot of callbacks to the original series. It's fine, but it's not great. It's not earth-shattering. Uh, but if you want to see that, all your favorites from that show, well, most of them, appear uh, then they're, they're here and that's available to you. And it's all up on Netflix, so if you just want to see okay. all of it, it's there. All ten episodes? Yeah, I believe so. Were you a fan of that 70s show? Nah, I thought it was fine. Right. I thought it was fine. Uh, my parents watched it. I really wasn't super engaged in it because I was a little young for it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's fine. Also a 90s sitcom corner here, just to get this done. 
I watched the NBC reboot of Night Court. Uh, I also watched this last week. I forgot to talk about it. <sighs> Did you get past the pilot? I only watched the pilot. Okay. I actually thought this was a little better than the 90s show. Um, I, of course, also have more affinity for Night Court than I do that 70s show, so that might be part of it. But I feel like Night Court's one th- reason for existing is that everybody wanted to work with John Larroquette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's the one person that they got from the original series to come back. Uh, well, unfortunately, because the star is unfortunately now dead. Um, so he was one of the ones that they had to get. And yeah, I think that that's the reason for this existing. And as a showpiece for John Larroquette's continued talent, it works because he's really good in this and they let him kind of just go and do his thing. And that's probably the best part of this. The rest of it, everything on the, uh, the periphery, especially the, the, the new star, which is the daughter of the original star in canon, of course, and, uh, is just fine. Again, I think it has the same problem as the ni- that 90s show, which is it leans a little too heavy on trying to Im- like imitate the original and hit the same kind of beats. Like, oh, look at this goofy person that's in the court now. And it's just a little too goofy. And it's not, I don't know, it's got a tone issue. It's a little up and down tone-wise. I was at least more interested by the end of the pilot to see where they go with it than I was with that 90s show. But still, again... It was 100% relies on your nostalgia for the original thing. I think the best, and we've talked about this before, the best reboots are the ones that don't need you to 100% be in love with the thing that it's a rebooting. Mm-hmm. The best ones are the ones that take it and do a new twist on it. This is not that. This is the same old, same old. Watch it for John Larroquette. Otherwise, there's not a whole lot here. So I saw a review that said that it gets better. Okay. Um, so I actually watched the first three episodes of it. All right. Because they're all available on Peacock now. Yeah. So I watched it, um, and I, the jokes are very hit and miss for me. Yeah. Uh, I think more miss than hits. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of the, let's do better, let's try better mentality. Right. But you, that's also for the first three episodes. I kind of want more than that. It, I feel like it's trying to harken back to um, Parks and Rec, where mm-hmm. we can do better, let's try better. But at the same time, it's missing the kind of charm in it because the banter is within the people who are constantly there, and that's sort of the rotating um, defendants. Yeah, which again is is part of that original show as well. It was like, yeah. how do we? Uh, how the, the 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 bit is is that like, oh, we're gonna have the most goofy people you've ever seen, kind of working against these established characters and seeing how they banter back and forth. Yeah. There's still that. It's just that I don't know if that is effective in 2023 as it was in 1993. It's different yeah. now. There's different expectations, I think. And I don't think, yeah, I think that they're struggling to reach those in both of these examples. Oh, it, I mean, I'm bringing up my parts of again. Maybe yeah. it'll get better in the second season? Maybe, but I don't know. In, like, in the streaming era, it's harder to make that sell. Also, it's multi-cam and not single-cam. Yes, both of these are. And yes. it is weird. It definitely, I definitely had a moment where I was like, wow, when was the last time NBC had a multi-cam show? Up all night? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Undateable? No, I was trying to think. American Auto, single-cam. Hmm. Um, oh, the Will and Grace reboot? Will and Grace. Technically, yeah, that was Yeah, I guess that was it. Yeah. Huh. It's not something they do often, is I guess what I would say. Right. So, yeah, it was weird to see. Yeah, because like even wait, uh, no, sorry, um, Lopez versus Lopez. I think it's multi-cam. Oh, is it? But that's a that's technically a Peacock. 
show, right? That's not on network. No, that, that, that is network. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's Friday nights. Okay. Right at right after The Rock, which is single cam. Young Rock. Yes. Young Rock. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's weird. Anyway, they still exist. They still, they still exist, exist. I guess <laughs> you can dig for them. I mean, we'll get there in the cancellations and renewals. But as long as Bob Hart's Abishola is still on, <laughs> the soul of multicam still lives. We'll get there. All right, let's talk about the two big shows this week. Yes, the other show, speaking of Peacock. Yes. Thank you for me bringing that up. Yes. Uh, was the Peacock exclusive? Yeah. Ryan Johnson, director, producer. Yes. And I don't say star, but feature <laughs> in uh, a Glass Onion. Yes. Which when I saw, I was like, why are you in here? And then this came out, I was like, oh yeah, that, makes that probably makes more sense now. Yes. Uh, Natasha Leone, yes. starring vehicle. Poker face. I wish I could talk more about this, but I am only halfway through the first episode. Oh, my Christy fell God. Asleep. Christy fell asleep, and I didn't no. watch the... She told me I could finish it without her, but I was like, no, I'm watching this with you, so I'll wait. So we got exactly halfway through the first episode, and I'm no. dying to know what happens. No. Because I already can tell by the first half of this, this is wonderful television. I am wrapped. I am... I am want to know so badly what happens because this is some of the most impressive TV I've seen in a long time. Just the way that Ryan Johnson's script and the way he shoots it, I'm already like, okay, I'm sold. I want more of this. I am so excited to see all of this. So, yeah, if you like Dives Out, if you like Glass Onion, yeah. this is just more of Ryan Johnson but, writing murder mystery stuff. But it's different, though. The, the tone is really interesting because it takes its sweet-ass time mm-hmm. in a really interesting way. I was actually thinking, like, the... Comparing this directly to Glass Onion, Glass Onion is paced way like faster than this. I think this is taking advantage that it's a television show where you have a lot more time to spend with your characters. You can have, say, Adrian Brody give like a five-minute speech and just go off yes. and have a really cool back and forth that gives you gives you a lot of backstory and gives you a lot of context without ever feeling too like expository. Right. Yes. You can't do that in something like Glass Onion, where it has to be like zap, zap, zap. We need to get to or you're out by the two next hours. Part. Which I mean, yes, one. I think that some people are going to be a little bored by it, but for me, I was like, no, this is what I'm here for. Give me all of this. I want to yes. know everything about these characters. I want to know about this world. I want to know like this slow drip of information to get to what I'm sure is going to be an amazing climax. That's killing me that I didn't get to. Oh. Uh... <laughs> As soon as I got through the first episode, I wanted more. Yeah. There's four episodes out right now on Peacock. Um, the rest will come out... Weekly. Weekly. Yeah. On a weekly basis. Ugh. But those four episodes are yeah. dynamite. The first two are directed and written by Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. The other two are not. But you get the kind of concept after it. Natasha Leone's character is fascinating already. Like, she just she's just eating that scenery the whole time. Just like, everything about her character is compelling. Like, her whole backstory... Like, the way that she, like, the, the, the her mysterious powers, quote-unquote, that she's able to, like, immediately see a lie. So, I like the way that they frame that. Yeah. Because it's also in the use of the audience as well. Yeah. Because it gives you the murder up front. Right. It says, here's, here's why here's we're what here. what happens. Here's what happens, here's why we're here. Very and Columbo then, in that way. Yeah. It's like, you know how it happens you're just waiting for the person the star to figure Thank it out you. that's what i was trying to think of the, yes, the, the, the firm it's the colombo yeah. thing is what they're doing and then it just works backwards oh uh, right. whenever, whenever i think colombo i think of just colombo walking around and be like i have to hit my mark over here <laughs> yes i have to mark. So he's always staring yes. down yes exactly <laughs> except the setup is really interesting because 
She's not a detective. No. They make it very clear that, no, that she was not hired to do this. She figures it out because she just naturally has an inclination to want to figure out why somebody is lying. Mm-hmm. It's just a thing that she does without necessarily having to be like, that as her career or anything. It's right. a very cool setup. And also with her calling out people's bullshit, yeah. the audience knows when people are bullshitting as well. My favorite thing that I real that when it sink, sunk into my brain, I was like, oh my god, Ryan Johnson, this genius, is the scene where they discuss for the first time that she has a bullshit detector. Yes. It's literally in a metal detector. Yes. It's literally in a metal detector. And I'm like, when, when I figured that out, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yep. What a scene. It just goes off. He just does this, these things, and I don't even realize it while it's happening. It's incredible. Yeah, I, I'm mad I didn't finish. I'm mad you didn't it. finish. Well, because, um, out because that's one of the good things and kind of bad things about this is that <laughs> because it's single cam, yeah, and you're not set up in a studio. Because you're not set up in a studio all the time, you can have a you have the rotating cast of characters that come through here. Yeah, you're not stuck to only like where she wrote. Only murders in this town. <laughs> only, only, only happens in this casino. Right. Uh, after that first episode, it goes out of the casino, Great. out of Vegas, okay. and into basically middle America. I was wondering about that because the name of the show for for during watching this first first episode, I was like, is it all going to be casino based no. stuff? Are we going to stay here? Like, how does she get out of this? I'm really curious. I, you know, I'll find out. But like, man, it's such a good setup that you're like, yeah, but you're right. I think it's intended to evoke those procedurals. It's supposed to evoke like a Columbo, mm-hmm. where it's like you can just take this character and drop them anywhere yep. and have them solve any of these situations. I do find it a bit kind of um, ironically catch- catching that everywhere she goes, there's a murder. Yeah, but I think that's kind of, you can hand wave that away by yes. just being like, well, maybe it's kind of like a, a, a serendipitous thing where it's like, no, she was meant to be here and figure this out. Yeah. Like she's just a wandering vagabond who just finds herself in these situations. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's of course you have to. It's television. You have to at least suspend some disbelief. Yes. <laughs> but still. But still, four episodes in, I'm loving it. I want yeah. more of it. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, especially for Natasha Leone. Yeah. Because um, if you listen to the podcast, Russian Doll, not really one of my favorite shows. No, I think, I think season two. Over and over. Season two did not. I feel meet anyone's expectations, mm-hmm. and so I think it was smart for her just to be like, "All right, let's move on, do something else, do something fresher with a creator I like." Yep. And yeah, I think this is maybe the thing that she's been meaning. This is probably the role that she's been waiting for. Yes. Yeah. This is it. And yeah, I'm excited to see more. So, unfortunately, it is on Peacock. <laughs> you know, it happens. But uh, hey, the good news is is that there's more stuff than ever on Peacock, and so if you do sign up, there's actually a lot there. Yep, you have uh, Poker Face, you have The Traders, yep. you have um, basically all of The Office on there. A lot of sports, a lot of wrestling. Yep, I was going to say, if you sign up today, as of this recording, Royal Rumble. We're not and then being paid for that, No, just no. to let you guess. <laughs> and then in the summer, WrestleMania. Although, man, we should really get paid by that. <laughs> <laughs> we should. We should. <laughs> Call us up. Call us up. All right, but that's uh, one last show, though, for you to talk about this week. Yes. Um, so, on Apple TV+, Plus, I finally finished Season 3 of Mythic Quest. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. All right. You're all uh, caught up with that? Yes, all caught up with that, uh, because technically the end of the season finale was two weeks ago, so I'm not that far behind of it, but I didn't like how, at the end of it, they basically said, 
well, we don't really like how they're split two different companies. We're going to put you back in the old one. Uh, okay. I was like, okay, so that's how they get out of the ending of season two, which was, I thought, a good ending of Mythic Quest. Of, mm-hmm. We're just going to go to our own company now. Like, the, the story that we want to tell Mythic Quest is done. But since they got more seasons, they're going to be like, well, we got to keep the, the framing of Mythic Quest back, so we're just going to shove you right back in. Okay. I didn't really like that, but I can see it basically plot of, well, we need to keep the name Mythic Quest because that's what people are known for yeah. here. So shove right back in you go. It's it's tricky when you're doing something like that and you try to be the big surprise twist and then you have to twist yourself out of it. Well, they did this for, I think they did the twist too early because they did yeah. after season two. Right. Well, it's probably one of those things where they were on the bubble and they didn't know they were going to be able to yeah. write more. Which is what I like. Like, if yeah. you stop after season two, then that's great. Like, you don't have to continue. Yeah. But because they did get more seasons... <laughs> They have to find a way to shoehorn them back into yeah. all the drama. Always. 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 But anyway. That's not it. But no, speaking of dramas, though. Yes. Um, and one of our favorite shows, me and both favorite Ted Lasso. Yes. Z- creators. Uh-huh. Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein. Okay. Have a new show on Apple TV+. Plus. This time partnering with not Jason Sudeikis. However, mm-hmm. um, partnering with uh, oh god, the the big guy. You're blanking. Yes, I know I'm blanking. <laughs> I know I'm blanking. I know I'm stalling. Yes. Because uh, <laughs> all I can think of is just him from uh, Free Agent Sarah Marshall. Oh, uh, Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel. Yes, the other yeah, yeah. Jason. Yes. Because because I said Jason. Sudeikis. Siegel. Yep. I'm like, no, I know it's not Sudeikis because he's Ted Lasso. Yes. Yeah, Jason Siegel instead. Yes. In Shrinking. Yeah. What is Shrinking? Shrinking is about uh, mental health and therapy. Aha. So, Shrinking. Got yes. it. Um, season two of Ted Lasso delved a little bit more into kind yeah. of that aspect. And so what I'm gathering is that they took that aspect and kind of made their own show on it. Okay. Um, Jason Siegel. Yes. Is said, the main character, said therapist. Uh, whose life has been upended by the recent death of his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this takes place one year following that tragic event. And him, being a broken man, is still trying to be a therapist helping other broken people. Mm-hmm. But he can no longer stand just listening to people's problems. Because as therapy goes... You can talk about your problems all you want, but until you do an actual action to it, you're still just going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And so he pretty much, I don't say physically, but shakes people, metaphorically, shakes people out, shakes uh, his uh, patients out of their comfort zone and into action. Mm, okay. Um, but that's technically ethically frowned upon. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> no, you don't throw somebody in the pool and learn how to swim. No. Yes, no. <laughs> You don't take someone with anger issues and put them in an MMA class. Right, no, you do not do that, <laughs> turns out. No, but he's trying to do therapy in his own way. Um, but while he's helping out all these people, he's still not solving his own issues at home with his daughter, who has gone through the same tragedy of losing a mom, but with a therapist in-house, isn't really reaching out to have that therapy mm-hmm. um, with her dad. So there are a lot of interesting dynamics and layers going on in here. Um, not necessarily the happy ho-hum that uh, Ted Lasso no. is. <laughs> Seems darker. No. But there is a lot of 
funny circumstantials okay. going on. Um, however, the one person that does feel out of place here is Harrison Ford. Oh, right. Right, yeah, he was in this. He's in it. Yeah. Uh, so all the commercials and ads make me think that Harrison Ford is his dad. <laughs> no. No, it's not. He's just a co-worker. Okay. But he's just so old. <laughs> that is like, he can't do a whole lot with him. Yeah, yeah. One, uh, he can't do a lot with him. But two, like, why aren't you, like, his dad? Eh. Like, that, that feels like such a, one, odd pairing, but also, like, a simple setup of, like, oh, it's a family business. Dad, son, daughter... It all works together. Maybe they felt that was a little too easy. I mean, it is very easy, Yeah, yes. so maybe that's why they didn't do that. Yeah. But I think it also, like, allows Harrison Ford to basically be his grumpy self and not, like, <laughs> I have to be a happy grandpa. Right. I can be gruff third party. I have my own uh, voice here. <laughs> that just, you have to listen to me because I'm gruff Harrison Ford. Yeah, pretty much. Which, yes, even Jason uh, Siegel does a very Harrison Ford voice in the pilot. <laughs> Uh, so three epi- uh, two episodes are out right now okay. weekly uh, you can get caught up immediately um, like I said if you're going expecting Ted Lasso vibes not going to get that full especially uh, immediately mm-hmm. but it does throw you kind of for a loop in the first ten minutes okay because uh, Jason Segel is a broken man and does, and even though <laughs> he's a therapist doesn't know how to handle his own uh, shit yet that sounds about right yeah <laughs> Well, okay, there you go. That's Apple TV Plus? That's Apple TV Plus. All right. Well, something on every network this week, I guess. Oh, shit, yes. really covered it. Except for HBO Max. <laughs> well. Well, no, I'm sorry. We talked about uh, The Last of, of Us. <laughs> yeah, we, which we mentioned, yeah. So, episode two was a banger, which yes. really ended on a really interesting note. I was actually shocked. I was like, it got to a certain point in the episode, and I was like, oh, this is how this ends, right? And then I checked the time, I was like, we have 15 more minutes? Yes. And I was like, okay, what are we going to do now, then? And the way it ended was such on such an in- interesting note. I was like, well, I know what happens because I've played the video game, mm-hmm. but if you didn't know where the story was going to go, yeah. man, that would have just been a real head-scratcher. Uh, a tongue-tingler. Yeah, that would have been something <laughs> for people to be like, wait, what are they going to... What's going to happen next to these people? Yeah. That show, I think, is getting better. I mm-hmm. really, really enjoyed see, uh, episode two. I thought it was way even better than episode one. They're on to something with this show. I think it's it's gone beyond now for, like, beyond just, like, this is a good adaptation of this video game for me. I think after the second episode, I'm on, like, no, this is good television. Mm-hmm. This is, like, just a straight-up good show. Turns out that maybe it would have been a better TV show than a video game the whole time, Neil Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe he's found his calling, is what I'm saying. Maybe video games are not his style. But I'm probably going to be outnumbered by that. And yeah. I'm not saying The Last of Us is not a good game. I enjoyed it. It's got good self-gameplay, but mm, I think I'm enjoying the television show more than I enjoy playing the video well, game. Well, like I mean, as even mentioned in the show, you have ten years to look back and see, oh, I can fix all this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it helps, turns out. All right. Right. Um, last thing on HBO Max, though, yes. real quickly, um, because it is the new year, they launched their um, live streaming sports. I don't know if you caught this. Uh, yeah, I saw this was happening. Yes. Uh, so the women's national team and men's national team are currently yes. in New Zealand playing in a tournament where HBO Max, you can stream live mm-hmm. those matches. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to put stream in a huge <laughs> quotes here. Uh-huh. Because, yes, I get there's a huge time difference, huge right. geographical distance between where I am and where the match is taking place. <laughs> Turns out, yes. But at the same time, I hate when my stream drops to 360. 
Oh, yeah, the, 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 the quality is going to suffer. Oh, the quality suffers so bad. Yeah. I, I can get maybe 10 seconds of good, crisp 1080, <laughs> and then it just immediately drops when it switches Oof. camera angles. Yikes. Yikes. I'm like, yeah, no, get someone out there, fix your shit. <laughs> fix your I shit. I can't, I mean, I get that was the first one, but as a pilot, as like the first one for it as a concept, that was just a terrible, terrible, yeah. terrible mess. Oh, great. So, yeah. Okay. Even though, like, we do praise um, HBO and HBO Max for, like, The Last of Us and their shows. Um, the technology is not their strong suit. No. No. <laughs> but, yeah. Hopefully they work on it. Ah, God. Just get, just get some engineers out there. Put some money into it. Uh, it no. can't be a thing. Yeah. Work on it. Just work on it. Fix your shit. All right. Speaking of fixing shit, let's talk about cons- cancellations and renewals. All right. What am I no longer watching? Well, you're no longer watching Mosquito Coast on Apple TV Plus, as that has been canceled after two seasons. Peacock also has their axe sharpened, with Vampire Academy being canceled after one season, and One of Us is Lying canceled after two seasons. As opposed to A Million Little Lies. That's different. Yes. Really different. The CBS, uh, the CBS, CBS is, however, <laughs> renewing The Neighborhood for a sixth season. Hulu is bringing back Extraordinary for a second season. Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere, Adult Swim has brought back Aqua Teen Hunger Force from the Dead for a twelfth season. I think it hasn't been on the air since 2017. Correct. Uh, Bob Hartzabashola, as you mentioned, continues <laughs> for a fifth season on CBS. Titans on HBO Max will end after its fourth season, so no more Titans. Yep. Also, Doom Patrol, for similar reasons, canceled after four seasons as well. So right now, their first half of the fourth season has aired. But the second half of that fourth season will air last. later this year. And that'll be it. Mm-hmm. Netflix will bring back The Recruit for a second season. And then Fox has done the unthinkable, what everybody thought was not going to happen. They did it anyways, which was renew all three of their an- big animated shows, big long-running animated shows, The Simpsons, Family Guy, and Bob's Burgers, all for two more seasons at least. Yep. So that, of course, cranks The Simpsons up to an unbelievable 36 seasons. Current record. Yeah. Sorry. It breaks their previous breaks their record. record. And Family Guy and Bob's Burgers will just get add-on. I believe that puts Bob's Burgers, I think, around 15 or 16, and then Family Guy about 22, 22 or 23. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, the theory was is that there was potential that they would either move The Simpsons to ABC or just permanently on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Nope. Not the case. They are continuing to be on Fox. So those special contracts with Fox, the Fox Network continue. Weird. I yep. don't know. Let's see what happens with that. Uh, at least two more seasons, then. Somebody Feed Phil on Netflix will get a seventh season. Somebody has to feed Phil already. He's Apparently hungry. Apparently someone's been feeding him for six seasons. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I didn't know this was a thing. He keeps asking for food. Who does give it to him? And then HBO, as we mentioned, renewed The Last of Us for a second season. Again, what they do is anyone's guess. Yep. Then we have one death this week. Top, top him. Top? Yep. That was what I was okay. Top, top him. Age 75, an English guitarist for the Yardbirds. Yeah. That um, history class of the Yardbirds. Yes. There you go. So top, top him. Let's move on to our last section here today, which is the movies. And we start the movies with the weekend box office numbers. Your number one is still Avatar, The Way of Water, another $20 million. That sits at $598 million domestic. It did cross six hundred over yes. the course of the past week, but we yes. will talk about that in a bit. <laughs> number two, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, $11 million this week. 
That's at 126. I'm still waiting for that to get to Peacock so I can yep, watch it. Me too. M3 again with another $9.7 million. <laughs> uh, that's at 73. Number four, Missing, $9.1 million debut. Yep. Number five, rounding out your top five, A Man Called Otto with another $8.8 million. That's at 35. Upcoming this week, releases for the 3rd of February. We have uh, 80 for Brady, your um, Old elderly women go see the Super Bowl comedy. Yes. Yes. Um, probably going to take the doctor to see yes. this. Yes, you guys will probably talk about this. Yes. And then Knock at the Cabin, your horror movie for the week. Uh, this is the M. Night Shyamalan yes. film. Uh, the one I'm interested in seeing, but I probably won't get to it until it's on HBO. Okay. No. So... Uh, but hold on for those. Hold on for those. Uh, yeah, next week, probably get to 80 for Brady. Uh, that seems yeah. more like a date night movie. Yeah. Us. Also, this Wednesday, keep an eye on MediaBoatPodcast.com. Starting for February, we'll, we will start posting a preview of the month's releases. Uh, thanks to Mike here. He's written some summaries for upcoming movies for us. I'll post that on the website. So you'll know exactly what to expect in the months to come. So starting with February on the 1st. Yep. So look forward to that. Let's move on to this week's movie news. We start with Avatar 2 Billion. James Cameron's Avatar sequel is now the fifth highest grossing movie of all time, finally passing Avengers Infinity War to take its spot on Thursday. Avatar The Way of Water is now grossed $2.054 billion, billion at the, uh, dollars at the global box office. Infinity War had an equally impressive $2.052 billion total after releasing back in 2018. Only the first Avatar, $2.92 billion, Avengers Endgame, $2.79 billion, Titanic, $2.19 billion, and Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, $2.07 billion, rank higher on the all-time list. Internationally, The Way of Water has grossed $1.5 billion, making it the fourth biggest movie in history. At the domestic box office, it has made $603 million, standing as number 13 of all time. Mm-hmm. It also just the, it's also the sixth movie ever that's made, uh, that, or ever made, that has crossed $2 billion globally, and only doing so in the sixth week of its release. Yes, this Pretty also impressive. means that Zoe Saldana yes. is now in four of those <laughs> six movies. Damn. Can you name those four movies? Well, it's the two Avatars yes. and the Avengers Endgame and um, the one before Endgame, Age of Ultron. Infinity War. No, shit. <laughs> Infinity War. <laughs> Whatever. It's one of those. Yes. Yes. So yeah, Zoe Saldana, the billion dollar woman, or sorry, the two billion dollar woman. The billion dollar woman. Congratulations. Congratulations. All right. Um, so we know Titanic is the other one that's up there. Yeah. So that's five. Can you name the sixth one? Uh... No. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't either. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking, like, what, what's big enough of a hit? Yeah, that's tricky. It is tricky, because this is not inflation. Otherwise, you right. know, Gone with the Wind is, right, right, like, right, the right. far and away. I don't know, way. Jurassic World? No. No. Uh, turns close. Out, I mean, <laughs> it's the universe. No. It's Star Wars Episode Seven. Right, yeah, they mentioned that in the story. Yeah. Sorry, I thought it was something else, because we mentioned Force Awakens. But yeah. Yes, Force Awakens makes sense. Yep, that was it. Okay. And then Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, and Jurassic World number 8. Okay, I was close. Yes, yeah, you're close. Because that's 1.6, and then The Lion King at wow, 1.6. Wow, The Lion King. Huh. And then the first Avengers at 1.5. Oh, live-action Lion King. 
Okay. Yes, that live action is 2015. <laughs> no, uh, 2019. Oh my God, oh, yeah, we're not talking to you, Ziri. Yeah, 2019. Sorry, <laughs> Jurassic World. World 2015. Was 2015. Yes. All right. Well, let's move on because that's not, believe it or not, the biggest story of the week. Of course, the biggest story of the week in movies is hey. It's awards season, officially. Yep, and people woke up on Tuesday to some good news. Yes, Oscar nominations are here, and you are a happy camper, because oh, yes, everything, everywhere, all at once, was everywhere on the uh, Oscar ballot, because they lead all films with 11 nominations this year. Did, did you pick up? Cause yeah, I, I know, you I, called, I it. called it. I called it. Among this year's acting categories, 16 oh. out of the 20 nominations are first-timers. Yes. Including uh, Austin Butler for... Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, Hong Chow and Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Carrie Condon, Barry Keegan, Colin Farrell, and Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Inchirin, Jamie Lee Curtis, Stephanie Hsu, Kei Hui Kwan, Hui Kwan, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Anna Armas for Blonde, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Paul Meskel for After Sun, Bill Nye for Living, and Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie. Steven Spielberg achieved his 12th nomination in the Best Picture category for The Fablemans, extending his record for an individual producer. But we'll go up against All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inchirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking for Best Picture. Yes. Edward Berger's World War I film, All Quiet on the Western Front, earned nine... Oscar nominations, the second most mentions ever for a non-English language film, behind Netflix's Roma and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragons, 10 nominations each. To date, Parasite is the only non-English language film to win Best Picture, and it will remain so because I don't think uh, All Quiet on the Western Front has a chance of winning. No, it won't, because <laughs> everything everywhere all at once will definitely win. Okay, so this is where we need to talk about uh, how we're feeling about the Oscars this year. Yes, so we have 10 nomination or sorry 10 best pictures yeah fully fully filling out the 10 this year congratulations the academy they yes. they finally did it again yes no more of this nine bullshit right no no <laughs> longer just skirting the popular ones we finally got the popular ones this is a category that involves both top gun and everything everywhere all at once and um avatar, avatar. three huge successes mainstream ass movies mm-hmm. In this lineup. And then there's Elvis. And then there's Elvis. But <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, who do you think is the favorite moving in? Do you have to ask me who the favorite is? I mean, everything all, everywhere all at once does have probably the audience vote. It probably has most of the critical reception here. It has the media vote podcast However, vote. is a movie that is arguably an action comedy. Yes. Do you think that that has a chance in hell? Oh. <laughs> convincing the Academy voters. Because the Academy voters, as you mentioned been talking about the baseball in video game, like in the industries all over the place yes. are in their 70s and they're aging and do they do you think they've even seen this movie when you well, have something like the fablemans or tar more traditional best picture bait yes against it i have my doubts well there's also the banshee of the insurance right too, which has could which also have won the here. golden globe i yeah. think yeah and i think that as begin like the yeah. uh, the acting nominations wins everywhere, and p- potentially I think uh, screenplay in the bag as well. Um, we'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting year because I feel like there's no outright favorite. I think there's so much competition here mm-hmm. that it could go many one of many ways. What I will say though, and 
just to appease you here. Not just to appease you, but to just get this said going into yes. award season. Yes, I realize I was pretty down on everything all everywhere all at once. I don't love it. It's not my pick here either. But what I will say, I hope it wins every single one of these awards. And the reason why I say that is because I think if it does, that is nothing but good for the future of the cinema, mm -hmm. for the future of the Academy, for the future of everything. Original movies are important. I want original movies to succeed. I want original crowd-pleasing comedy, com comedic movies to be successful. Because they, as I said, they don't traditionally win things like this. So if it does pull this off, it's great news for the future of movies, for the future of creative movies, inventive movies, for visually appealing movies, also for depictions of Asians in cinema, for like for like inclusivity, mm -hmm. for stories about people who are not just white Americans. It's exciting for a lot of reasons, and for that reason, despite my personal predilections, I want it to be successful here. I want it to win it all. I want it to sweep. I have my doubts that it will. Oh, it cannot win all 11? No. Because no. Uh, two of them are going up in the same acting category? Yes. So, and so the most it can win is 10. Yeah, I, and I, like I said, I have my doubts that it can pull it off. But yeah. man, do I want it to. Because I think it's a win for everything, everywhere, all at once is a win for everybody. In so, so many ways. So... Yeah, that, I just wanted to get that established. I'm not going into this being like, oh, I hope it doesn't win because I don't like it. I don't care. No one cares about what I feel. I want it to be successful because it's good news if it is. Well, if it does win, it takes what, as I mentioned, Parasite did yeah. before mm -hmm. yes. and puts it up into an upper echelon of it. Yeah. Because Parasite was a very dramatic piece. Right. It was very calm, somber, very shock, beautiful. Right. This is not that. This is not that. This is chaos incarnate. Yeah, and I think... But to have chaos on screen in a compelling story... Right. That did uh, engage a lot of people and mm -hmm. meant a lot to a lot of people and clearly was very successful in what it tried to do. And I think that that's awesome. And I want to see that rewarded. There's also a lot of different symbol some symbology. Yeah. That's not a word. <laughs> Symbolic, symbolism. Symbolism uh, shown throughout the film yeah. in every shot. Everything has a meaning. Everything is connected mm -hmm. in every shot. Everything is done on purpose. Yeah. It's not a, well, I don't want to say it's not like um, Top Gun where we have dogfighting scenes where right. things are just up in the air and they're happening. It's not like Avatar where yeah. we need to, like we're creating it out of thin air. This is right. everything that is pure about cinema. Low yeah. budget um auteurs who are able to get their vision out of their heads and onto film yeah uh yes i i really really hope that by the end of this you can say the oscar winning directors of the turn down for, <laughs> for what, what video <laughs> but anyway um let's move on to the smaller categories here so there is there anything interesting you want to point out um i think i want to point out two oh, you want to point out the writing we don't have to pull up all of them but uh, we will get into it yeah we'll get into it as when, it gets closer. it gets closer and we'll, we'll i'm sure we'll do our traditional i asked christy if she was in on um picks in our picks this year she said no she wants to pass okay but we can still do a do some money on this if yes. you want maybe crank it up this year uh <laughs> put a game on it yeah uh but anyway I wanted to specifically talk real briefly about animation and visual effects. Yes. Animation is interesting. Uh, Marcel the Shell got that nomination. I was hoping it would. Except it won't win. But it won't win because it's up against some real heavy hitters. Yes, it is. I think Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Pinocchio will absolutely steal this. I would love Turning Red to have a chance, but yep. I think 
Del Toro is coming in, you know, hot. Like, it's somebody that we know the Academy votes for because yes, Del he's Toro. a Best Picture winner. For also, it won um, Golden Globe. Golden Globe as well. Yep. Even though the Golden Globe isn't a whole lot of evidence, yes. I still think that, yeah, I think this is Pinocchio absolutely without a without a. I don't know. I think people, yeah, like we saw last year, will just see Disney turning red Maybe, and vote for it. But I have a feeling that, again, we know the Academy votes for Guillermo del Toro and yes. his name's in the title. Yes. And I think that that pushes him over the edge. The other thing is, I think visual effect is a is a, um, is a old school versus new school battle between Avatar and Top Gun. Which one do you think works? I think Top Gun wins, in my opinion. I think that just how impressive it is that they actually did physical effects in 2022 mm-hmm. is an amazing feat. And I think that all that back, like back, like uh, behind the behind the scenes stuff that Tom Cruise put out about yeah. actually being in those planes, I think that sells the Academy. I think Top Gun takes this. But I wanted to get your take because Avatar also equally as impressive, but so digital, all yes. digital. Yes, Avatar is not digital. I thought we were just going to talk about All Quiet on the Western Front. No. But, but because the only yeah. reason I bring that one up is because we saw 1917 did, win, it, did yes. the same thing and won for visual effects. But as how well. much of that is an existing, like, uh, like, you know, like, a studio, like, American movie with American studios, like, to put in their thing? Yes, but All Quiet on the Western Front is German studio. Mm, that's what I'm saying. But that's why I don't yeah. think it has a chance here. But yeah, um, visual effects, I. I don't know. You do bring up a good point of mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick because so of that's that. why I think that's the battle. Uh, but Avatar yeah, is just a full on. It is its visuals. visual. It, it lives and dies by its visuals. Yeah. But to a certain extent, so does Top Gun, right? Like the reason why that. No, no. Top good. Gun lives and dies by its editing. I mean, yes. Give so, it the editing. Yeah, do you think it wins effects. there? Then yeah. you think that's I think where it wins, wins there, and I think visual effects goes to Avatar. Yeah, and I'll get there, but I think that uh, I think original screenplay is in a Sharon absolutely okay. with 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 uh, with ease. Adapted is interesting this year. You have Ryan Johnson's yep. Glass Onion script here because it's a sequel, it's a sequel. instead of original, yep. and I think that maybe he has a chance there. But I don't know. I think the reception was to me was surprisingly mixed for Glass Onion, and I don't know if um, adapted is. I don't have the chance. Also, everything everywhere all at once. It's original. a great movie, but I don't know if the script is the reason why it's great. No, it's the acting that so, makes it great. It's the visuals, it's the creative, yep. like it's the creativity happening on screen. I don't know how much of that is the script, but I don't think it's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I have in in here. I think the Fablemans has an outside shot. You're right. But uh, Adapted, I'm not sure. Adapted is more complicated. Because, yeah, you have Ryan Johnson there, but you also have some other heavy hitters here. Right, you have um, Top Gun Maverick, because that's also a sequel. I don't think Top Gun wins here. <laughs> I'm going to take, take a... I think this is probably between the you know, women, talking women talking and living. I don't know if All Quiet on the Western Front here works. Yeah, I don't know. I'd see women talking. It might be the one time women talking takes away an award here. That's my, that's my prediction. All right, so going back to then the 10 Best Picture nominees. Yeah. We've actually seen all... We've seen a big chunk of yes. these. We were actually talking pre-podcast about how to see the rest of them. Unfortunately, we might just have to wait for a couple. So, uh, we've seen All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, which we'll talk about. Yeah, you'll talk about it in a moment. We've seen Avatar, which yes, we've talked about. we've talked about. We've seen Banshee the Witcher, which yeah. you're going to talk about. I caught up with that this up. week. Uh, Elvis, which we'll talk about soon here. Yeah. Uh, Everything Ever All at Once. Yeah, we've Top seen. Gun Maverick. And the only thing that leaves out is... 
Um, oh, sorry, Tar. We haven't yeah. gotten to it, but it's on Peacock. It's on so Peacock. We'll get to you it. might check that out this weekend. Yep, same here. So we'll probably get to Tar, talk about Tar next week. Yeah. So that just leaves The Fablemans, mm-hmm. which is still in theaters, and I might sneak away to go see it. <laughs> um, Triangle of Sadness and Women Talking. Yeah. Those Which last two need... are going to be the trickier ones to yeah. find, I think. And arguably, do we need to? I think so. I think it would be good to have like an idea yeah. of, of what those are. But no, I don't think that those are your front runners. I think ultimately, best picture here, hmm, it's tricky. Um, I think the ones I could see, I think it, this is Tar, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Banshees. I think those are the three. Really, Tar, even though you haven't seen it. I, but I think the way that this year has gone, it's the one that most people talked about. You didn't have, and then maybe an outside outside shot from the Fablemans. Hollywood does like movies about Hollywood, yes, and filmmaking. And I think that Spielberg could pull it off. That's why I need to hold off on yeah, my until we see the Fablemans. See the Fablemans. Because, because yeah. that, from everything that I've seen and read, that is his. I won't say magnum opus, but it's his auto. Yeah. It's the closest autobiography he's ever going to get. Yes, true. I don't know. There's a lot yeah. of questions here. Um, also, I want to note they pulled what we thought was going to happen, which is no streaming film, no streaming exclusives here. Yes. Um, they, I guess, the back to regular business in 2023, yep. which is kind of sad to see. I, I liked those years where we got some streaming players in the top in the best picture conversations. Uh, yeah. after, especially after Coda's big win last Dakota. year, to have the streaming network shut out is is a story for yep. sure. Um, but uh, with Tar, Kate Blanchett just continues her yeah. Oscar domination. Yeah, I could see her winning here. All right. All right. Uh, so let's, let's actually talk about some of these films. Then. Yeah, we uh, we're going to talk so, about three best picture nominees just right now. Yeah. So when these nominees came out, we I think we both did the same thing: is look up. Where can we watch all of these? That oh, we I think you sk- yeah, I think we skipped Elvis every time we talked about this picture. No, 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 I, no it's in here. I've I, d- about I it. think I definitely did. No. Anyway, sorry. Uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's start with All Quiet on the Western Front. So, yes, this is the German film uh, based on the book, of course. Yes. Have you read uh, the book? No. Was I supposed to? I did in school, <laughs> so that's why I was. That's why I asked. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, we read All Quiet on the Western Front in school. So no, we I'm did not. very familiar with the story here. No, we did not. Okay. So, this is your first time with the story. Yes. Uh, so, World War One. my frame, recent frame of mind from it, comes from, like I said, 1917, mm-hmm. which also won the won Best Picture? No. No. It was nominated. It was nominated. Yes. It won uh, Best Visual, won visual effects, effects, like you said. Yeah, because it was a single shot. All right. right. Sorry. Single. The quote-unquote single yeah, take s- framing. Sam Mendes ass Sam Mendes movie. Yep. <laughs> anyway. So, getting into All Quiet on the Western Front. Yes. Um, first off, because I never read the book. I completely either forgot or just never realized, oh, this is just the German side of it. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a which, German army. you know, makes sense when you think of which side is going west. Right, right. Didn't really think about that. West, there's a reason why it's the western front for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, because I thought it was, oh, like, they're on the western side. Yes. Like, so that's the western front. Yes. No, it, it's reversed. Um, my dumb brain didn't think about that until, like, <laughs> re- until watching this movie, I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, also, didn't realize that it was a German film. 
Yes. Um, but big title. Uh, basically, kind of blew that lid off my mind. Of like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is going to be in German. Mm-hmm. Um, but on Netflix, it does have it is dubbed, so you don't have to read subtitles. Okay. So um, there are certain scenes where there is subtitles where there are like on purpose speaking. I right. think it's French. Okay. Um, where they keep it subtitled, uh, but that's just because like. In scene, they're um, they have the interpreters going back and forth too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a war film, it's a good war film, but it's not a great war film. Okay, I think that's where I ended up ultimately landed on it. It's definitely a good, well made war film. Definitely good made World War One film. Definitely a really good look into World War One on the ground. Yeah, especially um, because it is a Take it from the viewpoint of soldiers on the front line. Specifically, one Specifically, young soldier, one young man. Specifically, the youngest. Yeah, yeah the young soldiers who um, do everything they can to basically disobey their parents and join the war because they yeah. want the glory of it. Ultimately, finding out that no, there is no glory in war. Yeah. Everyone dies. I mean, yeah, the thing about the story has always been it's interesting because it takes like. Those perspective, like you're saying, of, of a young man dealing with war. It's mm-hmm. also kind of a coming-of-age kind of story yeah. in a way, too. Where it's, like, about this young man's experience, about, like, how war messes him up. Because I don't know if you know anything about World War One, but, like, it was kind of messed up. I mean, trench combat, mustard gas, it was not fun. It was dark. It was dirty. It was gross. It oh, was this violent. film is very dark, dirty, yeah. gross, and violent. It's everything that the book was, I'm sure. And just some mm-hmm. brutal depictions of war. Um, but through, yes. again, through basically the guys, like, through the perspective in it, of innocence, basically coming in and not knowing what to expect, and then coming out of it changed. Like I said, um, yeah. like, coming in thinking, oh, like, we're gonna solve this in a matter of months. Go no. in, <laughs> come back out, Absolutely come not. back war heroes, everyone will love us. Not gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, because, yes, it does follow one person, but it follows four, four best friends. Right, right, right. And... The subsequent consequences of war for each and every one of them. I think every one of them eventually succumbs to a different version yeah. of death over the course of the film. Right. So, um, uh, so, 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 yeah. So you're saying it's not it didn't quite reach the like the maybe the heights of the best war films of all time. Like this is not a Saving Private Ryan. That's the one I was referencing. This is not like. Uh, but but what do you think though? Like why why do you think that it's gotten this uh, best picture nod? Do you think it does anything particularly well? Oh yeah, because the acting in here is just pulls at the heartstrings. Yeah. You care for this kid. You don't want to see him right. in in all this uh, basically shit that he's going through. Right. And yet, it does a really good job of framing them not as the bad guys, even though they are. Because. <laughs> But from the German uh, perspective, the German they are. They're not. Yeah. they're not, yeah. Yeah, they're not. And that's what it does so well. And I think it does this in the book, too, is yeah, that yeah. it frames them as the war heroers. They're going to be conquering war heroes. Like, we're the well, best. Like, well, Also, I mean, regardless of side, it's side. just the reality of war is that it sucks for everybody. And that's what it does great, yeah. is that it takes out, like, whose side are you on? Like, the cold, like, politics of it. It's the humanity. It goes to humanity, on. yes. Yeah. Um. And it does show a good showcase between um, classism, mm-hmm. especially in the military, right. between people who make the decisions and people yes. who execute the decisions. The boots on the ground and like the difference between that. Yeah. For sure. Especially towards the end. like you, Both sides come heading to a clash. Very well executed. Yeah. 
definitely well deserving of a watch. Yeah. Even if you're watching it just because you read the book, or I was you're gonna say, to read the like book. judging by you have not read and you're the, what you're describing, it seems like it's a very good retelling of that book. Yeah, Having that's why it. I'm so, thinking it might win for best adaptation. Maybe, maybe I could see it, but again, I think it's an outside chance. The trick with foreign films is that they win the foreign film category and then, and then probably no, nothing, nothing else. else. Yep. A Parasite, of course, broke that, but I don't know if this has Yeah, but Parasite also broke it by winning Best Picture. Yeah, which I don't think it, this is going to do. Right, so. uh, but yeah, it's yeah. not going to. But it's a definitely a really, really good adaptation okay. of it. And that's on HBO Max? No, that no. is on Netflix. Netflix, right. Netflix. Yes. So that's on Netflix if you want to check that out. Yep. Okay. Now, let's go to HBO Max. Now something completely different. <laughs> yes. Uh, talk to me about The Irishman. Okay, not The Irishman. That's a Netflix film. No, yes. <laughs> I caught up on Banshees of Insurance. I will just be brief here. Um, everything you said uh, before was accurate. This is a weird movie. It's such a... It's such an interesting mix of funny but darkly funny and also really depressing. And somehow oh, yeah. it melds those into one story and where you're never quite sure whether you should be laughing or crying. <laughs> and it ends that way, too, throughout this whole thing. It's very much that vibe. Now, I want to note, I have not seen this director slash writer's previous movies. I understand that this is kind of his bit. Okay. So if I had seen, say, Three, Billboard, Three Billboards, Billboards or if I had seen In Bruges, yeah. I would have known what to expect. Oh, you have to watch In Bruges. But I haven't. And so I went into this blind, basically, only based on what you told me. And I mentioned this pre-pod. You did the same thing you did with <laughs> Power of the Dog, where you gave me, like, the cliff notes. You gave me the bullet points of what happens in the film. But that doesn't do it justice to the actual film, because the actual film is, like, all that does happen but the way it's done, the context of which of which that happens is the most important part. The movie is not those is not the events that happen. The movie is the why and the ways that this these things happen. There's a lot of metaphor happening here. Uh, I mean, the movie. I think the movie is at its worst when it has to point out, "Hey, this is just like the Irish Civil War that is happening." When it, there's like two scenes in this film where it points that out right in front of you, that it waves in front of you, it's like, hey, this is just like this. And I think that was like, all right, I get what you're doing. The rest of the movie, though, when you don't have to worry about like the obvious metaphor, when you're actually just talking about those characters and how they interact with each other and how this friendship both devolves and evolves at the same time and like and the chaos that kind of ensues between them, that's when it's compelling because the characters are really interesting. And the performances are great. Yeah, Colin Farrell, wonderful here. Mm -hmm. I think he's he he's keeps this thing rolling through the whole thing, and just the emotion he gets from his eyebrows alone is just amazing <laughs> in this film. Like every time he's like just struggling about this relationship deteriorating in front of, deteriorating in front of him, and just you can just see the pain in his face, and you just feel so bad for him. But at the same time, it's like, no, you're such a dummy. And the other guy too, though, he's also just a total dummy, and he's. <laughs> He's doing, he's making stupid decisions based on spite for no reason, mm -hmm. but you feel for both of them kind of by the end of it, and it, it does this back and forth pull where you're never quite sure who is actually correct here, but because they're both idiots who are just doing st stupid things until the ultimate stupid thing at the end, and they somehow see eye to eye at the end of it all of it, and you're just like, well, what was this for? For nothing? Yeah, pretty much. Well, I don't know you can't get. <laughs> 
You can't exactly give the other one the high five at the end. No, you can't. <laughs> you, they both come out of this thing looking dumb. Yeah. Which is the point, I think. It's the point. The, the story is not necessarily about where it goes. It's about the journey to get there. Nor is it going to make you feel good. It's not a feel-good movie at all. It's just a... It's a circumstance movie. Yeah, it's just a movie where you're just like, the stuff is going to happen, these characters are going to interact, things are going to happen, and you just have to be sit with... You just have to sit by the end of it with this weird feeling in your stomach that nothing really got resolved. Just like the Civil War that is this metaphor. Where you're just like... There's like a couple of lines where it's just like, well, yeah, no, things just happen sometimes. Like, that's kind of this movie. The lesson of this movie is things just happen sometimes, and people are going to be people, and at the end of the day, you just have to do whatever feels like you should do. Be the person who you are. Never let somebody else influence you, because bad things happen when you lose track of that. Bad things happen when you lose who you are. It's... it's well, it's also bad things happen when you're dependent on other right. people yeah, for no... Yeah, you can't be your own person. Yeah, you have. Yeah, but but even that is kind of muddied, mm -hmm. and it doesn't make you. There's no clear cut answer to any of the questions it presents. So, I'm not sure how I fall on it. I don't know if I loved it. I don't know. I didn't hate it. I enjoyed my time with it. There's some great performances and great writing. I think the script is especially good because it's very it's very economic. It's like very tight. It's very compact. Especially in the first 30 minutes, it's like, does so much with so little dialogue, like, and, like, story. Mm -hmm. You have, so much of it is just in those performances and reading those faces as they discuss things. And especially, like, some of the, some of the supporting characters are just amazing here. Like, uh, I forget his name, but the, like, the, the kind of dorky kid who is, like, in love with the sister character. Oh, the Barry Keegan's char He's character. He's great in this. He's great. I could see the supporting Oscar because mm -hmm. he's just amazing. His performance is just amazing uh, here. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just I think the performances and the script are why you're here. Um, also, it's really well shot. I think cinematography is pretty impressive mm -hmm. here. Um, but man, yeah, I don't know if I loved it though. Like, I, which I think is the point. I don't know. It's a weird film. It's a fascinating film. I, I guess I'd recommend it. As long as you know what you're getting into. As long as you know it's kind of a slow burn and you're not going to be like coming out of it, all right, this was a great movie. You're going to come out of it being like, huh, okay, all right, that happened. Well, like I, I mean, like you mentioned, the previous director's work are In Bruges and right. Three Billboards. Yeah. Which I like both of those a lot more than I liked this film. Yeah, and I could see that because this is not a movie that's about like, oh, I loved it. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to give that to you. It's not going to be sat. It's not satisfying. Sci that is the word I was looking yes. for. It is definitely not satisfying. You'll never be satisfied. No, but that's fine because it's not trying to be. Yeah. And I think as that, it's an interesting film that's doing some interesting things. So that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's on HBO Max. Yes, that's on HBO Max. Also. Yes. On HBO. Uh, <laughs> is the other. It's finally Oscar, time. time. It's finally time to talk about Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Yes. <laughs> and what a spectacle it is. Yeah. Because Baz Luhrmann is a spectacle. Yeah. I also like how accurate it is. Okay. Um, so this is what, the third iteration of an Elvis film now? I probably. I wasn't keeping track. Oh, because uh, it's very out there. It's very wide encompassing. Mm -hmm. But I also think it might be one of the most 
accurate portrayals of Elvis. Sure. Uh, I can see why Austin Butler is nominated here yeah. because there are very several times throughout this film I completely forget that I'm watching an actor. Yeah. That like, oh no, like I'm just watching Elvis now. And he just disappears <laughs> into this role. Okay. Uh, but he also carries this role. He also carries the film. And it pain to say it, but I think this would have been a better film without Tom Hanks in it. Oh boy. <laughs> because it's distracting. Very, very distracting. I have heard, I have heard yes. Um, because it's clearly Tom Hanks. It's clearly him doing a bit, what feels like a bit. Because <laughs> we all know who, like, Tom Hanks is an act. I feel like they got someone else in there. Yeah. It would have been a lot better. It probably would have been more of an upfront to be a best picture. But Austin Butler is this thing. He basically becomes Elvis in this. Uh, it goes through the whole gamut of everything. I do like how they include his origin story and of his origin songs, which are not his songs. Right. No. There's all all his songs that he's famous for are re-records of other songs. Blue standards from the era. Yeah. But they but what the film does is that it says it basically tells you here's the person who actually sings this song. Right. And we're gonna have them sing the song. You're not gonna yeah. listen to the Elvis version, you're that's, gonna listen to the original. And version that's important it. when you're talking about Elvis, because yeah. the one major modern criticism of Elvis is just that, is that so much of his career he owes to black artists yes. because what he was doing at the time was basically black music and just based, and going into a label known for black music. Mm-hmm. And, just, and the reason why, a lot of people think, he was as successful as he was because he mainstreamed it and made it white. Yep. And, you know, say what you will about that, but it happened and this story is just telling you the story that did happen. Yeah, and all that happens within the first 30 to 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it takes off into Elvis' career. Right. You do see the um, the transition from lower act to main stage. Yeah. But you also see why this film isn't necessarily centered all around Elvis, even though it's his name. And it's centered <laughs> around Tom Hanks' character. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Hearing that makes me want to see this less. I already didn't really want to see it, but I'm yes. like, all right. Is it just like his character from That Thing You Do, but with an accent? <laughs> Oh, yeah, he wasn't that thing you do. <laughs> yeah, he was a manager in that episode. Yeah, he in was that manager movie that. too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the scummy manager. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. He's done this before. He's, yeah, I mean, 20, uh, 30, almost 30 almost years 30 ago. Almost 30 years ago. Whew. That's a 90s film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyways, <laughs> it's visually striking. I like what the direction was going in. Um, but at the same time, it's it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot of movie because they do it, cover a lot. How does this compare? When you were talking about it, it reminded me a lot of the conversation around Bohemian Rhapsody, where that was also a biopic film about a specific uh, person, also with a performance where the person basically became that person. Yes. How do you think it compares to Bohemian Rhapsody? I liked it a lot better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. And again, I was never high on Bohemian Rhapsody. But how does it compare end. to Rami Malek's portrayal of Freddie Mercury, though? If you put Austin Butler's Elvis right next to that. Ooh. That's the question, right? That, because yes, that's the question. Rami Malek won the Oscar for that performance. Do yes. you think Austin Butler wins it for similar reasons? Ooh. Or do you think it's just too competitive this year? I think it might be too competitive. Yeah. Um, especially for Best Actor. Yeah. Because like you said, um, Colin Farrell's up for Best Actor. Because I think that's... Brendan Fraser's also yeah. up for Best Actor. Mm-hmm. But that's a comparison people are going to make, right? It yeah. It's the like, well, that's a one-to-one. Yeah. It's not, but, you know, that's the excuse people are going to make. Yeah, it's, you know, because it is under the biopic genre. Right. 
Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, um, I don't know. I want to say yes because, as I mentioned, there are times where I forget that I'm watching Austin Right, Rattler. yeah. Whereas with Bohemian Rhapsody, there were times where I was like, no, that's just... That's just Robbie Malik doing a weird thing with his mouth. Yes. <laughs> Whereas this was like, oh, no, that's just Austin Butler. Okay. Which I did find a... Um, I don't know if we ever covered it here. A weird behind-the-scenes um, casting choice here. Okay. Of why they got Austin Butler. Yeah. It's because um, Austin Butler was technically in the role for um, Top Gun Maverick. Oh, okay. But he lost out uh-huh. on that role, so he ended up doing um, Elvis instead. Wow. Well, there you go. Yeah. Which is uh, weird, because I don't know why I keep blanking on names. Yeah, I know. You're having a, having a rough time. Having a day. <laughs> because it was actually the opposite that happened um, for uh, God. Uh, Fuckface. <laughs> <laughs> well, while you're thinking of names, um, okay, well, I mean, again, this was not necessarily on my radar. I guess if I really run out of things to watch, maybe I'll give Elvis a shot. So, I'm guessing that outside of possibly acting, do you think Miles this Teller. has a shot at anything? Miles Teller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you think this has a shot at any Oscars here? Uh, like I said, uh, probably... Like costume design, maybe? maybe? If it's even up for that? I actually don't uh, know. Maybe if it's up for that. Um... I don't know if it actually went. I mean, I'm glad that's nominated everywhere. It's a good piece of media. Yeah. But it's also a bit all over the place. It's a good piece of media. We can literally say that about anything here. Yes, because it's a business. No. So, back to my story. Uh, Miles Teller was also up in the role for Elvis with Austin Butler. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sorry, no. They were both in the role for, um, they flip-flopped. Yeah. I want to see a world where they, world where they flip-flopped. Oh, okay. Where Miles yeah. Teller... Miles Teller Elvis? Gets the Elvis. <laughs> and then uh, Austin Butler gets the um, yeah. the Top Gun role. We'll never know. We'll truly never know. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So Elvis... Uh, oh, he's fucked it because he has the weird mustache on it the whole time. <laughs> so Elvis uh, sounds like it was a good time, but... It's a good time, but it's also a lot of movie. Yeah. It's like 240. Oof. <laughs> And it does cover everything. Movies are too damn long. I, te- I said it before. I'll say it again. All these movies are probably over two hours, right? Uh, yes. 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 Sad. All right. Anything else in movies this week? Or can we wrap it up? I think we can wrap it up. Time to wrap it up. Yes. Thank you for listening to the Media Boat Podcast Extra this week. long episode. Woo! Yeah, we knew it was going to be deluxe, and we gave you a deluxe show. Yep. Uh, hey, if you want to watch us live next week... Or on YouTube. Search youtube.com for Media Boat Podcast. You can find our channel there. Like, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications when we go live. All of that on youtube.com. If you want to listen to us in audio podcast form, we're on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us by searching Media Boat Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter. At Media Boatcast is our handle there. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast to find our channel or our page there. If you want to see us stream video games, that's on twitch.tv slash Media Boat. See also archives of some of those streams going up on our YouTube channel. And our website, MediaBoatPodcast.com, is where you can see all of that and more. Then lastly, but definitely not least, if you have questions, feedback, anything you want to say to us or ask us, you can email us at MediaBoatPodcast at gmail.com. If you do so, and it's before we record, we will read your question on the air. So please, get questions and feedback 
to us in our email, mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. That is both a threat and a promise. Yes. (laughs) That'll do it. Thank you for listening to us this week. I have to hit the restroom. All right. (laughs) I'll hit stop record. And we'll be back next week with our thoughts on Tar and who will be in the Super Bowl. And maybe just talk about Rihanna. Hey, we'll find out next week. So be there. All right. See ya. All right, bye. Bye.